Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. I'm Daniel. This is an all-Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics, and we interact with our listeners every single week. Danielle's going to tell you all about it. Oh, man. You do it. You're going to do it. First, Mark Tweedo, uh, I, I talk to him, and he helps me come up with the reading order. And then I tell Aubrey what we're going to read. And then Aubrey tells everybody else what we're going to read. And then we read it. And then we talk about it. And then everybody else listens to it. And then they read it also. And they talk about it in a, hey, you damn guys. That's a email or a comment. And then we talk about it. And then it just keeps going on forever and ever. Because that's friendship. That's Back friendship. to you, Danielle. All right. Back to you, John. Thank you. Yeah, so give us a review on iTunes. I haven't said this in a while. You know, that's really how people get exposed to the podcast because the more reviews that we get, then we start showing up in people's recommended lists and stuff like that. So that really helps us out if you're enjoying the show. Everything that we do is free. So please leave us a review on whatever streaming service you're listening to us on. And you can also retweet us if you're following us on social media. You know, share our posts. I really enjoy when people share our posts or comment on them. So that also gives us a lot of exposure as well. I want to thank at tphoto10. He said, sitting down with some vodka mix and Hellboy Weird Tales so I can keep up with the show. What's and vodka he, mix? It, it was clear. I was thinking maybe it was vodka and soda. Okay. Or something like that. And it was in a glass that had all the universal monsters on it, which okay. I thought was pretty cool, you know? <laughs> all right. And he had his Hellboy Weird Tales out. So thank you so much for sharing that. Also, Dim Without Some on Twitter. I have listened to your discussion about the short stories, and it's great. Thank you for holding such a good podcast for this long. You guys are really wonderful. Thank you so much. It's great to hear from you guys. So, yeah, share us out on social media. Give us a shout out. That really helps us out. And now we're going to go on to our listener feedback section. So get out your trades and floppies. Get out your hardback copies. Digital print is fine. You can read along in time. We had a hey again, guys, from West Mad Eyes. Hey. Hey. He said, when I mentioned horseradish pickles, I meant cucumbers pickled with horseradish. I remember the I remember the conversation, and now that we're clarified, I will go look for them. <laughs> cucumbers pickled with horseradish. That sounds like something I would want to try. Yeah. It's got dill. It's got like, it's like a dill pickle, like everything else. That yeah, you yeah. For the, but it's got horseradish. Mm, sounds good. We're going to have to seek In those there. out. I might have to check it out. I might have to check that out. He also said, I am totally game to get a tattoo of the shapes. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Look, if you're on the fence, if you're like, oh, maybe, maybe you should. I, I don't know. Maybe I should. Yes. Absolutely. You should. This is the sign. Take this as a sign. You should get. I absolutely encourage you to get as many tattoos as you can. You have my permission. There you go. Okay. Book club approved. Yes. But no pressure. Yes, no pressure. No, absolutely. <laughs> this is this is some social pressure. You should get a tattoo. He also said, to the point Danielle made of Leviathan being a serpent of Ragnarok, is it possible that is a wolf skull on the Bohemus? Mm. Isn't there something about a giant wolf Fenrir. swallowing the moon in Fenrir. Norse mythos along with the serpent? Yeah, absolutely there that's is. pretty cool because so, Behemoth had like some sort of skull head. Right. So yeah, I like that. It could be. That there was some 
type of uh, influence there from like a wolf yeah. design partly. So, you, you know, I don't know. I like know. that. Maybe. Who knows? We were also talking about BPRD artists. He says, you can't forget Ryan Sook. He was mm. short-lived in BPRD, but I believe he predates Guy Davis. Hmm. He had beautiful art and was an easy transition from Mignola's art, which I totally agree. Right, I wish we yeah. could have got some more Ryan Sook. Now, Ryan Sook did some cool variant covers down the line yeah. um, in some of the Hell on Earth series, I want to say. But, like, yeah, I wish he would have drawn more interiors for the book. He was amazing. Um, What's Guy Davis working on uh, these days? Guy Davis is mostly working on movies nowadays. Okay. Oh, I yeah, don't know. the monster designs. Yeah, right. and um, there's a movie coming out. God, I forget what the name of it is, but he's been promoting it a lot of, on his social sure, media because sure. I believe he did the, the designs for it. Well, I definitely well, enjoyed his sequential art for sure. Yeah, he's a great storyteller. So, but good for him. He's doing what he wants to do. That's good. Wes said, "Random thought number one: I wonder if the lobster has a similar origin to Howard's, but I hope it stays a secret." Uh, yes, we've talked about that a lot. About um, he's hearing he's has some internal thing going on. Whether it's like the cosmic or maybe he's in another time period or something but some stuff you do or want to just be like it's a secret it's up to your interpretation right, right yeah that's fine this is so off the- i don't know why i thought of this trent reznor one time was talking about in some interview he was like yeah i'm not gonna just explain everything that was going on in my head when i wrote this song because that's part of what it means to put art out there and this is all paraphrasing but that he was explaining that's right. part of what it means to put art out into the world sure. for people to experience that's like part of it that's why it's art. Like people are experiencing it. He doesn't want to get in the way of that, and like impose his own interpretation onto theirs. Right. They've got their own little. We like to talk about head cannon. Well, right? yeah, no. Well, so, even Mignola said something yeah, similar to that, where he said, "I'm not going to explain what the ending is, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, here's this thing and interpret it's it how you will." It's for you. Yeah. It's for you I to. Like that. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to do some of the <laughs> some of the work. Where, like it's not. It's, I this, think that's that's why some people didn't like it. Yeah. I think that people. A drawing is when you're drawing yeah. something, and art is when other people are like interacting with it now. Yes, and I like so that. that's you know what I'm saying. I think that's part of it. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know why I got off on a tangent. Don't let me do that. Go ahead. <laughs> wait, that. wait. To add on to that. Yeah, yeah. I one time saw an interview with Eddie Vedder saying oh, almost the same thing. Really? About like you know songs. He's like, I'm not going to interpret the song for you sure. because if I tell you what the song means, that means it doesn't takes away the connection that it means to you. That doesn't surprise blah, me. Blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I so, love that. Yeah. There you go. What you're referring to is, like, in these interviews, they want a definitive, well, you're the source, so you have to mm-hmm. tell us what it means. And they're like, I'm not going to do, I can't do that work for you. That's for you to do. Yeah. Like, I'm interested in what it means to the creator. Oh, yeah. But obviously, like, you have to be able to separate what it means to the creator and what it can mean to you or other people. And so that's that, that's a book club. That's what it means to be in a book club. That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> Random thought number two, since you guys are always talking about Skellingtons, I figured it might be a reference to Jack Skellington from A Nightmare Before Christmas. I grew up loving Beetlejuice and loved Tim Burton. Oh, yeah. But doing more digging, I found out the creator of those characters was actually Michael McDowell. Yeah. So I looked into more of his works and I found out that Mike Mignola actually illustrated reprints of two of his books. 
Cold Moon over Babylon, and Gilded Needles. I did not know that. He seems to have a similar genre slash world development. I wonder if Mignola is a fan or if it was just a job. We'll have to check that out. That's really yeah, cool. I, I love never that. made that connection. Uh, That's okay, really cool. So when... I did not know that about the Tim Burton. No, stuff. I didn't know that. We're gonna have to investigate that and check that out. All the uh, the stuff that Mignola did there. Yeah, and I don't know about those books too because I have most of the books that Mignola has illustrated, or I've been trying to get them. So I don't know. I'm gonna have to look into those two. Jerry Tumblr, I bet you know. Oh, yeah. Jerry can help us with that. That's why it's a book club. As far as Skellington goes, I, I'm embarrassed to say that that's just like a goofy way to say a skeleton. And I had not made the connection <laughs> that I probably somewhere deep subconsciously was drawing from. Like, that's right. just a Skellington. I hadn't thought about that, Jack but I guess Skellington. I totally forgot about that. I haven't seen the movie in so long. Thanks so much, Wes, for your great feedback. Yeah, it's great to hear that. from you every week, Super man. It's good to hear you. We also had a Hey You Damn Guys from William Thunholm. William Thunholm. Book club member. Yeah. He says, it's crazy theory time. I finally found a reasonably priced copy of the Sledgehammer 44 trade. So I didn't realize that the Sledgehammer 44 trade is out of print. So it's kind of hard to find the physical if you want to have the physical copy of it. He said that he read it. It may be because cometh the hour and for whom the bell tolls were still in my mind. But when I saw the last page where their purple stardust bubble things come out of the armor and kills the black flame with a flash of light, it reminded me so much of when the shapes appear with a flash of light at the end of Hellboy and the magician's life. Yeah, so at the end of Sledgehammer 44, if you remember the black flame, the old school one, he punches Sledgehammer in the chest and he makes a hole in the armor, and then all these purple, sparkly things start to come out right. of the armor, and then it blows up everything. And so he was wondering if that was similar to the shapes, because when you see the shapes, they have like this light around them. And he actually sent me the screen grabs. I, th- I always associated the little bubble purpleness with the void or right, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's just an, like an effect that the artist was trying to but it definitely makes like a parallel you know there is definitely a parallel of ideas regarding what is the shapes and what and the vril you know we've talked about about the the vril yeah yeah the the connection connection and and that's basically what was powering the armor so yeah i just thought that was really interesting we sound if someone were to just listen to this section (laughs) we're talking about something that we assume everyone knows we're talking about vril and the shapes yeah. And would sounds <laughs> what like what are we talking about? We're deep into anyway. this thing. We're like ninety something episodes in. No, so, and yeah. that's what I'm saying, is that it's very like weird, but can you just imagine someone yeah. who has absolutely no connection to any of this stuff just listening to this? It probably sounds like some sort of like code. Yeah. That they're like that, that people are like curious, like, hey, I wanna know what this real and this shapes are. When you yeah. get so <laughs> deep into this, I'm gonna when I... dive further into the lore. And then I'll come back and listen, and I'll be in the know. There you go. He said, probably not, but visually similar. It's interesting to think about. Best wishes, William Thunholm. Thank you so much, man. Great to hear from you. Thank you. We had some feedback on The Vampire of Prague. Oh, okay. I love it when we get feedback on some story that we haven't talked about in forever. Christopher Cross on Twitter said... I have this puppet. When we I posted the Mignola puppet that's on his little bookshelf that Jerry Turnbull helped me find, and then the picture of the actual puppet from the comic. And he said that he bought that puppet also in Prague in 1995. I was stunned when I read the comics with the puppet as the main character. Wow. 
and he posted a picture of it and it's it is the exact puppet wow. and Mignola talks about how he had these little cards and you can see the little cards what? tucked into the sleeve <laughs> like that That's super cute it was really neat what? so yeah what are the he chances said, like he said odds? like uh, he said he and Mignola might be two of the only people who have that puppet wow. you know what i mean if you think about it cuz they're like custom made in this little shop in Prague and stuff like that so that's incredible. Oh, that's adorable. That's like some really cool mind blowing shit. Yeah, <laughs> and so I uh, I retweeted that on Twitter. So if you check out our Twitter, you can see a picture of that puppet. It was really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Puppet twins. Awesome. I will have to go look for that. We had some more feedback on Hellboy and Hell. CLA Comic Bindery said, you guys brought up the snake in Hellboy and Hell issues 2 and 9. So when Hellboy goes to go stab Satan, there's a snake there. And then later it's revealed, oh, that was the Spanish bride the whole time. Yeah. He said, in an interview I read with Mignola, he said he didn't plan that connection. Nice. When writing issue 9, he went back and looked at issue 2, hoping that he drew a snake somewhere. Brilliant. And was happy that he found it. Beautiful. He said, sometimes these things just work out. Yeah. That's crazy to me. I can't believe that. Or else he was looking for just just a thing. Right, yeah. Like, oh, thing. she was a snake the whole time. <laughs> I respect that. No, I respect that. I'm not making fun. I respect yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. That's how you do it, though. That's how you do it. Like, you cannot plan right. 25 fucking years of shit into advance all the time. Like, you sometimes you have to start and just go. I completely agree, Daniel. Yeah. I mean, it's great that you he was able to, like, you know... Do something, and then year, then later he's all like, "Oh man, I hope I did something so I can add sure. this little piece." <laughs> but I mean, that's also, part of being wasn't creative. There like a three, four year gap in between issue two and nine, or I think th- there was a lot. There was a lot of time between those issues, so yeah, it was very drawn out. And you yeah. can be inspired by yourself. You could be like, "Oh, you, I could take that thing that I did a long time ago." Make it oh, this, yeah, this thing for like, sure. That's totally fine to do. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, that's great. Eddie Jenkins said, I absolutely love Eddie the Jenkins. book club member. He said, I absolutely. Eddie Jenkins. <laughs> okay. Whoa, what was that? Leroy Jenkins? No? Nobody? Oh, man. Let's do this. Leroy Jenkins. God damn it, Leroy. In chapter three of Hellboy in Hell, Astros says he doesn't know how Azeo found Anum's hand. And in chapter two, we see a mysterious figure graft the hand onto baby Hellboy. So when we see that image of baby Hellboy getting the hand, there's like some skull figure, Grim Reaper looking guy that puts it on. But we never learn who that is. Mm. Yeah, he says, um, definitely a story for another time. Yeah, I wonder if we'll ever get that. There is a huge gap between when the statue with the hand in it kills everybody in hyperborea and then it like throws itself off a cliff and then somehow it ends up in hell with his ale so we don't know you know what happened like between... how the hand was acquired yeah saying? how it, how right. there's that mysterious figure in hellboy and hell that puts it on baby hellboy who is that and how did they get the hand how did hellboy's dad get that whatever prestige or whatever to be able to get that Anyway, there's like that gap of knowledge that the story just hasn't been written. It could be anything from like, you know, there's like a huge rich history or it was just been in a basement closet. And then they was like, hey, you have that. It's like, you mind putting it on my kid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if that needs to be filled in because it's it was shocking enough to see a baby's arm being cut off. Right. Like that was enough. They put the thing on him. Let's just go. That's not to me. That's not even the important part, because the important part was. How Hellboy lived, how he died, what happened after that, in fact. I guess for me, it's just like, you know, on the one hand, 
that information from how I got from that one point to Hellboy's arm, I don't need that information. But yeah. if you have a story you want to tell that fits into that information, I'll be receptive to hear sure. it. But to tell you, it doesn't matter to me how it got from there to there. Right. Yeah. But I mean, if it's a good story, I don't want to. I don't want to hear of. And this is how he got his jacket. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly that. That's exactly right. There are, there is an, I will say this, if you've ever read The Cimmerillion, there is an audience for all that. Every in-between thing you can possibly right. think of. And that's okay, too. I am currently listening to The Cimmerillion. You're Emma listening to. It's actually pretty good so far, but I've tried reading it so many You times. couldn't read <laughs> You're not I've alone. I've tried. I love it. I mean, I want I to did read it. it. I like it, because so I like I tedious shit like that. I, I can do much better if I have somebody read it to me. I've read about the Cimmerillion, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's my jam. And then I read, I start reading the Cimmerillion, and I'm all like... It's very hardcore. Yeah. We had some feedback on Hellboy Weird Tales, our episode from last week. Mark Tweedell said, I wonder if they'll ever do Hellboy Weirder Tales. Oh, wow. You know, I, I was thinking about this, like, <laughs> but there, there are so many cool artists right now, like Daniel Warren Johnson we were just talking about. So good. Or like Ian Bertram, oh, yeah. who did Little Bird, yes, and yeah. Mike Alred. There's so many people oh, that I so would good. love to have see their little take on a Hellboy Weirdest story. Tales. Um, Warwick Johnson Cadwell. Yeah, he's done some work with Mike Mignola. I love his art. I'd love to see him do like a little eight pager. You know what I mean? So just a little sampling of what, you mentioned Frank Quitely. You know, Quietly. last week and stuff oh, like that. So so good. Would that would be so cool. I, I would check it out. I would definitely check How it out. How dare you? That would be great. And Mark also said, you haven't seen Doctor Who? Ah. <laughs> Jerry Turnbull said, Ty Rubin Ellenson, remember he did one of those pinups? It was the one with Cronin and it had some weird purple robot behind him. Mm -hmm. um, that artist did many of the designs for the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy films. Oh, okay. And so he designed like Hellboy's gun and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and then you mentioned Frank Quitely last week. Yeah. Jerry Turnbull actually has a sketchbook and Quitely did a little head drawing of Hellboy oh, or in the kidding. inside. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty Do cool. Do you have that, that picture of that or a scan? It's on our Facebook. Yeah, you got to you, you go look at that. Oh, wow. I really want to see that. Jason Abaddon. Jason Abaddon, book club member. Yeah, he Jason said, Abaddon. I think all these stories as being in the Weird Tales vein and just guest starring Hellboy or the Lobster. These aren't the only stories with alternative creative teams, by the way. Ghost Train, which I certainly consider canon, that was that story with guess, yeah. uh, Liz and Roger. Was that one right was, at the beginning. Yeah, it was written by Jeff Johns. Yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah Jeff Johns. not everything has not everything that's canon has been written by Mignola. They never brought Jeff well, Johns back because, either. I'm saying obviously because John Arcudi has been writing a uh, DPRD. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's not because Mignola wrote it. It's because he didn't have any involvement. Right. You know, yeah, exactly. Right. Or so, not that he had any. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. So Jeff Johns wrote that. He never wrote anything else for this whole. You know, he's, he's pretty big in the DC world. And I, I like his writings and all that. But honestly, that BPRD story, I was like, I had high hopes because I saw John, uh, Jeff Johns wrote it. But then I read it and I was just like, eh, I've read better Jeff Jones. Right. And better BPRD. And exactly. Better yeah. Really. <laughs> well, maybe he didn't, you know, maybe he wasn't. He was just it's like, hard to do with a, yeah. It's hard to do a lot with a one shot, too. You basically to, got one story. It's, to... it's hard to bring a guy in. Well, remember when, uh, when we read that story, John, you told us, like, even you yourself, this was the beginning of the BPRD yeah. comic and yeah. they had a bunch of guest writers and they, you said it was like, 
they were throwing everything on the wall to see what sticks. Sure, right. exactly. Yeah. That happens. Yeah, exactly. And that particular Jeff John story, while it was cool and had some good stuff in it, you know, that's the one with Liz and Roger bonding yeah. over the train and all that. The story in and of itself didn't really stick. Well, right. everyone was still <laughs> trying to figure it out, I think. Too. Yeah. So I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it, it's a fun. Sure. But it, it's not going to make my top ten. Right. Yeah. <laughs> At the Griffin 88 said, Right Hand of Doom and Weird Tales 1 are tied for my favorite Hellboy books. Really? Yeah. So, okay. you know, and those are all short stories, too. If Right Hand of Doom trade paperback is a bunch of short stories. So, you know, a lot of people just love the short little, you know, couple pages okay, stories. Sure. We had some feedback on Children of the Black Mound. Ryan Yule said, I vote non canonical for this one. Let's let's let, let's let's okay. not let Stalin be part of the Hellboy yeah, verse, right? Yeah, <laughs> Young Stalin not. and the Baba Yaga. Yeah. Regarding Lobster Johnson action detective comics, Jerry Turnbull said, "I love Danielle's old timey radio voice." Uh. And Tom Barnett said, "Danielle's chapter recap readings were great." I even detected a hint of scratch in the sound. Yeah, I put that a little. John. I put a little sound effect that. in there. Yeah. Did you guys read the, see that video I sent you? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you send us a video. And so that little voice, it's called the Transatlantic or Mid-Atlantic. And yeah, yeah, Aubrey sent us a great video. I'll share that on our social media. It's a very purposefully contrived thing. It's really interesting. Yeah, Yeah, it was pretty interesting to learn about because it's like they were trying to sound like theater. And theater was like this. A lot of British people. And so it was almost like some faux British in there. Well, that was not what I, I was doing more of the like... Yeah, see, but yeah. like the you know the thing that Aubrey sent talks more about like the kind of like Catherine Hepburn type of deal. Yeah, yeah, like darling, kind of a thing, which I also love so much. But they also talked about how they use it a lot of radio, yes, because of the yeah. whole t- thing with bass not being able to come through. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Old school radios. That's yeah, so that was really cool. And it's got to have all the yeah, it's got to have all that tinny kind of yeah. quality, or else you can't even. Yeah. Do it. It, was, it was yeah, you got to link that. So that was cool. Jason Abaddon said, for the Lobster Johnson story, I'd say it's Metacanon, or better yet, Vibrocanon. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> Wes Maddai said, I love the look of this Lobster Johnson story, and I love the idea that these are the stories Hellboy read as a boy. Yes. Even though th- this one seems a little inappropriate a for little a inappropriate, two- to three-year-old yeah. half-demon from hell. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it a pass because he is a... Uh half demon <laughs> right sure, there you he, go. he grows up like a little quicker too right, right. yeah yeah he sure does he's reading that gary D- <laughs> gary dowell said your coverage of the lobster johnson story reminded me of the old captain american serial from 1944 oh, nice. specifically the villains plan to use a seismic device called i shit you not the giant vibrator wow wow hashtag it was a different time wowzers oh my god and so uh i I looked up this serial it's from a captain america from 1944 it says superhero captain america battles the evil forces of the arch villain called the scarab who poisons his enemies and steals a secret device capable of destroying buildings by sound vibrations it was directed by elmer chifton and john english and it stars Dick Purcell as Captain America. Okay. And it was written by Royal K. Cole. So I thought that was so interesting. I wonder if uh, they had seen this. I wonder, or they yeah, had I don't know. based it on that because it has that vibrate destructo machine or whatever. Yeah. I would not be surprised if that was if that were the case. Yeah, great feedback. Uh, I, I would definitely believe That's it. That's great. <laughs> That's super good. Thank you for letting us in on that. Regarding Midnight Cowboy, that was the Eric Powell from the Goons comic. Yeah, that was a great one. 
Ryan Yule said, fun fact. Ryan Yule. The Sagraro cactus doesn't grow in New Mexico like portrayed in the second panel oh, of Midnight yeah, yeah, Cowboy. Yeah. Right, right. Only Arizona, Mexico, and a tiny part of California. Okay. So thanks for pointing that out. No, that's great. I love learning stuff like that's that. That's pretty good. For sure. And when I posted that pinup of Little Hellboy that says hot noodles. Yes. Joshua Worley said, the height of sophistication, a gentleman through and through. And Clayton Schofield uh, says, I think this is my personality pick. Not many can top Duncan Figredo's little Hellboy look, but damn, this is gold. <laughs> yeah, I love how uh, Eric Powell drew little Hellboy. Very cute. I love that little picture. I, I did a screenshot for myself because I think I want to make it my phone background. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good one. I'd love to see him do more Hellboy stuff too. All right, and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. This week, we're continuing our discussion of Hellboy Weird Tales, a series that ran from February 2003 to April 2004. We're following the collected edition reading order, which is actually different from the order in the individual issues. And for this episode, we're going to start off with a story called Flight Risk. So uh, so it's a different order and all that. Do you happen to know the kind of the timeline as in where this would be in the stuff that we were reading because I was just kind of reading it and like I didn't really know where anything okay. was or I was I, I felt very disorganized. So this is way back, it. right? If yeah. we were reading all this stuff in order, we would have read it after the third wish. Yeah. And I kept right stopping. at the beginning of BPRD. I kept stopping while I was reading it and being like, but what? But what? And you were like, but that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Or something. And But they had just come out of this. Doing is this is early, early. So I, right. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a hard time playing. And I'm also, I guess I just, all this kind of one shot non canon stuff is not really like my thing. And it's okay if it's your thing. If you're listening, you're like, I enjoy this though, Danielle. Why are you hating? I'm not hating at all. <laughs> just saying the thing that I feel, which is that it's not, I don't really, you know, but it's cool if you connect with this. I think that's great. I encourage it. I personally was just kind of like I felt very jumbled and jumping around and you've been spoiled too. There was much. no, I was very <laughs> spoiled exactly, and that was just it felt so not grounded in anything, and I just kind of like why am I reading this now? Why is this happening? Yeah, to me, you've been invested in Wait, all this yes, stuff, yeah, and now you're precisely yeah. It's a very it's a hard left turn into all of these. I don't know. To me, while I'm reading this, and like you're saying, like when did all this happen? Yeah. I'm like I I don't particularly care because I figure it out. <laughs> What it is that I, I feel about these stories sure. is they feel like fan fiction to me. Uh, okay. 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 And I'm not trying to disparage fan. No, because to be I fair, know, yeah, I'm the first you know, person to say I'm sure that I think it's great. I think people taking it upon themselves to do something creative with characters they love, go mm-hmm. for it. Very cool. Enthusiastically encourage that, and I'm sure there's stuff out there that's very good and has springboarded into an actual writing career probably so i don't know but i'm not disparaging that i think it's a great exercise for you to go do that and it's fun it's a fun hobby thinking about it like that let me enjoy it more nice right yeah you know, I agree i, I agree mean, with you it, it's just like you know i was just like okay this is somebody's interpretation of hellboy it's not Mignola's. let's see where it goes it's someone's point of view and right. yeah that can be but, uh, but I, it also doesn't it also feels like it's missing Hellboy's voice, right? Yeah, but like, but looking at it now through the lens of this is fan fiction helps me too. I'm glad you said that. That helps me kind of relax a little bit and be like, well, it's not supposed to be like the other stuff I read. It's something else, and I can read this. Yeah. In a, so maybe if I go back and reread it through that lens, I might enjoy it a little bit more. So right. we're cool with fanfic here in this house. We're fanfic positive. 
And this first story we're going to discuss is called Flight Risk. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales issue 2, written by Joe Casey. He's an American comic book writer. He's worked on such titles as Wildcats, Uncanny X-Men, Adventures of Superman, and G.I. Joe. And Oh, he's amazing. He's a, he's a legend. <laughs> yeah, and as part of the group Man of Action Studios, he's one of the creators of the animated series Ben 10. The I've, never, I've never seen that. I don't know what that is. The art is by Stephen Parkhouse. He's a writer, artist, and letterer who's worked for many British comics, including 2000 AD and Doctor Who magazine, and edited by Scott Alley. Nice. We, we open in Nevada at the Gadget Outpost. Okay, so the premise just right off the bat right you have to be like okay the gadget outpost is a well-known hangout for inventors and engineers and go right all right there's all these like classic cars out in the front and stuff like that why not that's fun it's kind of like there's a school for wizards yeah go (laughs) sure all right the, the, this layout, this first panel layout, is making me feel like. Do you remember that original Hellboy story who took place in the gas station, and he fought? Oh uh, right, yeah. I'm getting that. I'm getting that kind of vibe. Right. Out of this. And we see Hellboy in here. He's got his stylish aviator jacket, and we meet a BPRD agent named Lloyd. I know that they've mentioned it's non-canonical, but. I want to say that they've mentioned a BPRD agent named Lloyd. I don't know. It, l- let me know if they've ever done that. I tried to go well, back and look for it, but uh, I didn't spend a lot, a lot of time doing that. And I was like, lot. yeah. It's a dense... Well, they, they may or may not have. What are the exact makes and models of these cars, John? Go ahead and tell us. <laughs> well, I was trying... I was actually looking at this patch on Hellboy's jacket. I was wondering if anyone could lend us some insight into what this patch is. It's got, like, the star with the wings. Right. I was yeah. like, is this just, like, a generic aviator jacket or does that mean that he's actually done something like he knows how to fly a plane or something because it's like got a bprd badge on the side too so it makes me think like it's like a legit thing obviously it's non-canonical but i just wonder about what these patches are you know we don't really know enough about the uh military and the waitress here blanche she's removing lloyd's picture from the wall behind the bar i love her well done on blanche by the way it seems like dr guam from caltech broke lloyd's freestyle altitude record the premise of this story is they're having a jetpack contest exactly just yeah. an well, ongoing constant hold, hold thing this picture that she's putting up yeah when i was reading it this morning i was like so this guy and his little robot friend beat his record no what's the deal dude <laughs> and then i was like wait a minute that's a jetpack yeah. jet yeah. <laughs> and then i was a little slightly saddened that he didn't have a robot friend <laughs> Maybe the jetpack is a little robot friend, and that's oh, how okay. he well, that beat makes, the record. That makes me happy, though. Yeah. <laughs> By 100 feet or so, I hear, Hellboy says, can't be a hotshot forever hotshot. I and, love his big old stein, though. Oh, yeah. He's, he's got, getting his drink on. It's a, it's a lovely, just a beautiful amber ale. <laughs> and uh, this comment really pushes buttons with Lloyd, and Lloyd asks Hellboy if he's enjoying this. And he hands the waitress back the photo. Tomorrow, you can send Dr. Guam his photo back, Lloyd says. Can I say, I do love the colors in this. I think it's really, the brush stroke quality, it kind of makes it look like it was done with really nice, like, brush pin right, markers. Yeah. Like, these, it's got kind of this marker quality to it. And it's um, it's aesthetically pleasing, for sure. Like, it might not be canon, but it's good. I like this, yeah. yeah. I'm settling oh. into the ongoing jetpack 
contest <laughs> at the inventor bar in the middle of the desert. I'm settling into that. And so we cut to Hellboy and Lloyd. You sure about this, Hellboy ass? No oxygen? But Lloyd's determined. Freestyle jetpacking, no assist, he responds as he prepares to take off. That seems like that has a ceiling then. Because are you just going to keep going up until you pass out? Because that right, doesn't seem yeah, like Right, you can't go that tenable... high, right. Have you seen the people, this is so off topic, I'm so sorry. Have you seen the people that go all the way up, like where it's like you're almost in space man oh yeah you're no, almost in space yeah. dude and there was a guy who like went up there yeah i wish that to jump. Uh, I, I wish i remembered his name but he set a record by yeah. going up as high as yeah possible That's fucking cool to me anyway continue but I, I i did look up you might have seen this on the news or you know in social media there's this guy richard browning He's a former Royal Marine turned inventor turned entrepreneur. He's the owner of a company called Gravity, which is dedicated to developing his invention, the body-controlled jet engine suit named Daedalus. The jetpack. Is the jetpack? And Browning, he has the Guinness World Record title. He flew the Daedalus suit at a record speed of 33 miles per hour, oh or 51 kilometers per hour, on his third attempt above the Laguna Park in Reading, England. What, I'm going to need more detail. How is this powered? Like, what is happening? What's going on here? So he's got like a jet pack, but then he's also got all these things around his hand. The hell you say? And so the hands to are stabilize? kind of... Yeah, to stabilize and stuff like wow. that. But he doesn't go up. Sure. He just go. He's he broke the record for distance forward. or That's whatever. Sure. I don't really know if people can go up right, right, in right. these things. But people are doing stuff like right. that. And there are world records being made and broken over this kind of thing so this already. Is a feasible, this is a plausible little bar out here. This is a thing that guys... I mean, it, cool, it could okay. be in the future if you're thinking about this in it terms might of like a sci-fi. We don't know. Or, yeah. We're not in that right. you know, subgroup of hobbyists. Like, try and break each other's little sure, yeah. like, cool, like, records and stuff with like their science records and things. And so this could very well be like an actual thing. Yeah, so I thought that that was pretty cool. You can look up Robert Browning and his Daedalus suit on just okay. Google it and stuff like that. You can see videos of him flying across. But as far as the jetpack, I'm sure they've done something like on Mythbusters or something like that where it's like, they're like, no, the jetpack is not quite there. We don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know that you can do a lot with like water. Water, yeah. Like the, the water, water jetpacks? jetpacks. Like they can do some crazy stuff with that, but I don't know. If they've gotten the technology to be able to do stuff like this. I'm not sure you could do it without completely burning your legs off. Right. So I don't. Well, I was going to say burning your ass. but Sure, there you go. <laughs> but I do love this art here as Lloyd takes off in the jetpack. Here's where like I can see that 2000 AD art style that Parkhouse is bringing. Because it does remind me like of a heavy metal magazine yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of got like a little bit of a throwback style. And as Lloyd flies up higher and higher, he's like super pumped about it. And then he runs into a giant mutant now, bat. What is <laughs> what's happening? So I did look up this. The giant golden crowned flying fox, also known as the golden capped fruit bat, is a species of mega bat endemic to the Philippines. Mega bat, so cute. They're like puppies. Have you seen videos? Yes, of these I guys? did look up these guys. They're like puppies with wings. They're a subspecies of giant crowned flying fox that have been recognized. One is extinct. Oh. It is one of the largest bat species in the world with a wingspan of four to five feet Aww. and weighing one to 2.6 pounds. Mega bat. So cute. And I tried to look this up on the internet. Like, what is the biggest bat that has ever been photographed right, or what sure. is the biggest bat ever seen? 
And like, there's a lot of really cool looking ones that look like they're huge, like the size of like a human. But like, if you look closely, a lot of it is like forced perspective. Sure. And so that's where we come. Like this panel, I was like, why are these bats out during the day? But apparently they're gigantic because I could not actually tell because clouds, you can't tell how big they are really. And so like, I didn't really have any perspective for this. I thought he was far away from the bats. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the bats were just like in the foreground. And so I didn't know until the next panel where this bat was like, excuse me. (laughs) So in conclusion, Megabat's very cute and I love them. Yeah, but they're not, like Daniel said, they're about the size of a dog or a cat. They're like a puppy. They're like a puppy dog that flies. And yeah. And the art is really great here. You know, Lloyd runs into the bat and then his jetpack goes out. He starts falling down. And then the jetpack actually like all breaks apart and stuff like that. And so he pulls out his parachute and he's pretty psyched about that, but down below, Hellboy's watching, and he's like, oh, like, it's going to be that easy. And then, so, of course, the bats come and start shredding the uh. parachute as well. And a lot of this is just really cool art. <laughs> and so, I really like this effect, too, as Lloyd is falling out of the sky after having his parachute shredded. He, like, grabs onto the bat's legs and is able to kind of, like, glide with it until the, he gets the over the water. looks very strong. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, like, it seems like a mild annoyance to yeah. that. So it seems okay. But, yeah, he uh, he's like, yeah, this is close enough. And he just, dra- he does a beautiful cannonball yes. form here. It's just really. He's a very experienced guy, yeah. Very, very experienced at cannonballs. <laughs> so uh, we end up back in the bar after all this has happened. And Blanche has got Lloyd's picture again, and she's like, thought those giant desert bats were a myth. Wait, so, okay, so w- this is implying that Hellboy saw him fall from the sky yeah. into the water and did not help him. <laughs> How could, said, what could he do for him? Go help him and get him. Well, he maybe went, he did do that. We just see him fall in the no, water. No, he went back to the bar. And then they're all sitting around. He's, oh, he had time right. to tell this entire story <laughs> to everyone in the bar. And the guy walks in. Right. Steaming from the desert. Sure, Heat. yes. He could have died. I think that's uncool. But it is funny. <laughs> the, and, comedic, <laughs> the comedic timing of a guy busting into a bar yes. all mad. Maybe worth it Who knows? and uh, and i did look up if there were any myths of giant desert bats i couldn't find any right sure sometimes you want to go where everybody's <laughs> inventing jetpacks <laughs> and, uh, and they leave you to die and so as hellboy is giving blanche the picture to go back up on the wall since he broke the record lloyd comes in like danielle said and he takes the picture i'll be taking this blanche he says I just had a minor epiphany. Some things aren't worth getting your photo on a wall. Tell Dr. Guam he can have it. Ah. That and I hate bats. Ah. The end. Well, why do you hate bats? One of them saved your life. So think about that. <laughs> You're invading their territory. Look for, out when you're jetpacking for giant bats. There. Exactly. There That's the lesson. You got to look before you jetpack. I like the characters in the bar. Have you close? You get a little close yeah, look at the yeah. All the uh, little designs. I love Parkhouse's work on this. It's really all nice. all the guys in the bar here. Are, it gives me like a vintage feel, like I'm looking at like an old timey comic yeah. or magazine. So with all that being said, where is it? Canon or not? I mean, who cares? <laughs> is my opinion. Who cares if it's canon? I did not like the story. Uh, well, I did not like the art. 
Okay. I did not like anything about this one. Oh, okay. So this one is definitely non-canon. I, I didn't hate it or anything. I don't feel like, ugh, why did I read it? I'm just all like, I don't care enough about this story. I ultimately, I mean, that's just, but like I said, this is my own personal opinion. Sure, sure. Okay. okay. I, I think that for a group of people who've been like reading all of these stories this whole time, it's been a lot. That to just read a bunch, like a handful of stories that are just kind of thrown together it's kind of like okay well so that's and just where i'm coming from personally. sure no so i'm and, not trying and, to and, hate and, and on I mean, anybody and, and, no and, hate and, no hate and all these stories are non-canonical sure 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 but i just like that comment that ross radke made that said you can decide what's can canonical its, yeah, or not and i think and, and yeah. i think that some of them i do want to pull aside and say i like this one i sure, want this one to be part sure, of it. absolutely you know i don't and, hate on that you're obviously allowed to do that in your own Headcanon oh, yeah. world. So that's all that. Right. I mean, obviously, they're all non-canonical, but I just say... Sure. I'm basically saying, did you like this story enough for it to for it to say that it's part of the canon right. or not? You know what I mean? And so it's just, a, it's just a way for me to add some more discussion and play with my sound effects a little bit. It seems like it could... Bit. It's just hard to care about it when you're like, we're starting on a goofy premise and there's no real substance to it. Okay. So... That's valid. Yeah. So for our next story, we're going to go on to Family Story. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales, issue three, written by Sarah Ryan. Sarah Ryan is the author of the graphic novel Bad Houses and the young adult novels The Rule of Hearts and Empress of the World and various comic short stories and essays. She's a faculty member at the MFA in writing for children and young adults at Vermont College of Fine Arts. Art and Color by Steve Lieber. He's an American comic book illustrator known for his work on books such as Detective Comics and Hawkman and the critically acclaimed miniseries Whiteout. That was so good. Yeah, that is a good series. You uh, gave that to me to read. Yeah. Long time ago. Over 10 years ago. Like 12 years ago. And it's also lettered by Jeff Parker, who's also a writer, penciler, and inker. He's done a lot of work for DC and Marvel. And of course, edited by Scott Alley. So just a heads up for everyone before we get into the story, it has an extremely dysfunctional family, and it has animal violence as well, so I'm just putting that out there before we get into the story, because those were some things where I was kind of like, what is what is going on here? You know what I mean? There was a lot of that for me. There was a lot of what's happening right now. So it opens immediately with this husband, Victor... And he's calling his wife Ileana. No, no, no. It opens, all these horrible it, it things. It opens yeah. with the coins. She's yeah. putting the coins. She's putting coins into a drink, into a martini mixer, and pouring it right. into martini glasses. I can't deal with how much he hates his wife, and she hates him, and it's just a very awkward, like, what's it happening? It opens up this? right on that. Right on this. But so she put coins. She puts coins in there. I immediately am like, something weird's happening with the coins, I guess. But then Hellboy's there, and he's looking for a book. And so I was, at first, I was kind of like, Okay, is this a library or is this somebody's house or why are they making drinks in the library? It's like a private collection. What's going? So yeah. yeah. So it seems like this family just has an extensive library of all this supernatural stuff and Hellboy needs a certain book. He needs a book and so he's like, oh, my wife misshelved it. And she's like, well, I, what if the kid took it? Right. And it turns out like he took it. Yes, right? yes, yeah. So like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's they're even little... arguing to the point where like the cat is meowing over the actual word balloons. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> It's just like background noise. It's important to point out that the cat is upset. Like, that's a thing, usually an indicator in books and movies that people use. Like, oh, the cat doesn't oh, okay. like this yeah. kid. 
there's something wrong going on with the kid. Sure, and that's with a good the, point. He's got the figure here. So, yeah, the little boy, he's playing with a gray toy. So the yeah. cat's freaking out, and that's usually an indicator, like, animals can tell. They know what's going on. Right. right? Kind of a thing. So it's not just, like, random. Like, that's supposed to be part of it, I think. Anyway, sorry, continue. Um, so I did look for this book that Hellboy is looking for, Ingham's Demonological Bestiary. I couldn't find a reference to that. As the husband and the wife are going at it, Hellboy looks under the table and he finds the kid. And just like Danielle said, he's playing with his gray toy. And he's using that volume that Hellboy needs, number eight, as his villager's defense. And they call the kid Vanya Piglet. Right? Is that his name? They call him Piglet. Right, but they also say Vanya too. So I was wondering if like Piglet is like a yeah, nickname no, or name. something. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a probably a reference to the 1926 Winnie the Pooh character. I guess Piglet could just be like a term of endearment. Right, yeah. So the father, Victor, he starts feeling all messed up right after he drinks the drink because we see him drinking it while he's looking for the book. Magic coins. And so Ileana takes him to his room and she leaves Piglet to take Hellboy to his room. And the kid asks Hellboy to meet him outside later. Something bad is happening, he says. And so we get this one panel. I do really like the art on this panel where it's got Hellboy with all the gravestones and the little kid. You know, we know that Hellboy is usually good with kids. It also kind of reminded me in a weird way of the corpse. Oh, when he what? has the corpse around <laughs> his shoulder or yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, he's got the little kid there. Yeah. Anyway. He's been doing his uh, crunches too here. Oh, yeah. He's been doing his ab crunches. <laughs> Hellboy's got some abs. Again, though, we see the right hand of Doom as the, a normal size hand. I don't. It's like not that. as big as we normally like it. I'm we not like a that. Fan of that. We like the asymmetrical look of. They're drawing him like he's just a regular superhero. He's got abs and normal sized hands. <laughs> I'm not into that. So Piglet he leads Hellboy to a mausoleum where we see Ileana entering, and Hellboy goes to check it out. And she's doing it with a ghost. She's doing it with a ghost. Whoa, Hellboy yeah. says. Whoa is right. <laughs> Whoa, I was, indeed. I stopped here and I looked up and I, I was like, what's, what's... <laughs> I looked at John and I said, what's going on here? What is this? That's what a little more this? graphic than we see in a, in one of these stories, right? Like, whoa. And he punches with not the right hand of doom. Yeah, because like, we saw... what are you going to punch? Right, well, we saw when he fought the Hellboy ghost in that crossover, like, the right hand of Doom was effective against the ghost. That's what I'm saying. Like, what are you punching you know? with a regular one, hand And this he punches for. with the regular hand, so, but the ghost dodges it. Yes, it's going to be a whiff. And Hellboy also realizes that the mist caused by the ghost is some sort of narcotic. Mist. So he, narcotic. He starts to feel all woozy. Let's, let's tell and don't show. And That's the what ghost, I always say. Yeah, and the ghost flies out the window. As Ileana's getting dressed, Hellboy, he tells her that her son is worrying about her. Now, is she covered in, like, ectoplasm here? Who knows? It felt like it was a weird transition. It's, it really is. I can't yeah. deal it, it, with this it's, story. It's just jarring. He's like, Miss Necrotic. Oh, by the way, the ghost got on here some clothes. Your son's outside. Oh, I feel so ashamed. Yeah. What? Did okay. I miss something? Yeah, and the, so the coins are on... The skull, and then the coins are not on the skull. Oh, right. I didn't even notice Why? that detail. What's happening there? She took them, I guess. I guess. That's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Are they magic? What's happening? So we cut to the next day, and it's like, Hellboy's just researching again, I guess. His little, his little reading glasses. He's got his little glasses on. He's been looking at the demonological bestiary all day, and it's nighttime again. Victor says he doesn't need a nightcap. 
Hellboy finds him later wandering with his arm stretched out to the cemetery. He's going to get it on with the ghost, too. So here's another thing is that at first I thought, oh, he's summoning the ghost. But then, no, you like you just said, it turns out he's also doing it with the ghost. Right, because so. he throws like a pot at Hellboy's head and Hellboy's like, I know you're not yourself right now. I know that you would rather be doing it with a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to stop you from doing it with this ghost. When it, when it gets back to the thing, he's like, what, that I've been making the two back beasts with your bit what of ectoplasmic... Ra- dialogue! Like, I, I, what, what is this dialogue? What? And no one's noticing that this kid is playing with an exact replica of the ghost that right. is doing it he's with, got the toy, yeah. with both his mom and his dad. Because they don't pay attention to the They don't pay attention to the, to the kid. kid. But yeah, no, Aubrey, I am right there with you. I, I, <laughs> at this point in the story, I'm just like, all right. That's what, what is going that's on. That's what I'm reading right now. As they continue to fight, Victor, he steps on that gray toy. And the kid's like, hey. And Ileana goes to make a drink. Hold it, Hellboy says. And so he stops her. She's putting the coins in there again, in the shaker. Yeah, she's putting them in there. And he notices this. He's like, that doesn't look normal. People don't put coins in drinks. He says, wash the coins from the corpse's eyes in liquor. Give it to your husband. He'll be blind to your sins. Bulgarian trick. Learned it from a demon, huh? And so I couldn't find any reference to that. I did try to look for this. Um, I did find yeah. a lot of stuff about the coins over the eyes and coins in the mouth. Yeah. But I couldn't find like people doing stuff with those coins. Right. The coins that you put on the eyes of a corpse, do some magic with it. Right. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I but wonder if there's any basis for that. I like that he knows these things that we've never heard of because it makes it seem like he's so knowledgeable about. Right. So right. I know the stuff that demons know. So that's cute. I, I, yeah, I just like yeah. that part that he knows it. And it brings us back to his roots of the originally the first time we saw Hellboy. He's taking charms off his belt. Sure, yeah. Out of his pockets, yeah. the little pouches on his. He's taking charms out of pouches and going, hey, this is this will be the one. Yeah. You know, Thanks so for pointing that out. It is faithful to that. So that's a, you know. We can't forget that, you know, we got two people going on here who were both trying to bang a ghost. Sure. <laughs> and they're upset. The same ghost. With the other ones for the same thing that yes. they're doing. Yeah. And we also see the little kid. He's like, you broke its foot. He's holding that gray toy that looks like the ghost again. At night, we see Hellboy. He goes out and this now he's got his mouth covered. So that way the mist doesn't start to influence him. And he's thinking about how the Bureau can help the kid too. So he's like already thinking like maybe some foster services for the kid. Because this is all messed up in this house. Yeah. He's armed with his spear, and so he runs into that ghost, and he stabs him through. So much for you, buddy, Hellboy says. Is this a magic spear? Yeah, I don't it's know. It's a physical spear. It's got physical property. We don't have an explanation for why the spear is effective against ghosts. One panel, Mike Mignola would have had a one panel with this spear's head, and it would have been very like intricate. Oh, sure. And it would have been just like one line of like... The something something of something. Yeah. Very effective against ghosts. <laughs> Just one panel. Give a, give me one panel that explains the spear. Just one. I'm not saying like it needs to be an entire page or anything like that. Right. Just give me a little something of why the spear can hurt a ghost. Anyway, continue. So and much it, for you, buddy. That's a Mignola line. Yeah, though. it is. That's a good little Hellboy line. And after he stabs the ghost, he realizes that its foot is all messed up. Yeah. And he's like, oh, piglet. Because he's making the connection. It's like, I like that he says, oh, piglet, instead of, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of in place of a cuss. I do like how he's also wearing a mask because of the narcotic mist. 
but it also seems rather appropriate. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say something, but I didn't bring it up because I didn't, you know. We cut to Piglet frantically looking through his toys. Don't try it, Piglet, Hellboy says, ah. and he grabs away a Hellboy toy. So I guess he's made one. He's got one, yeah. So he could mess with Hellboy, too. And I'm looking ca- in his toy chest here. He's got a lot of what looks like um, like the artist things that you look at for, like, you know, oh, yeah. perspective and, like, sure. Um, and when Hellboy grabs Piglet, the cat starts, like, screaming at him. Yeah, he's got a little Hellboy guy here. And he goes, wouldn't have worked anyway. And neither will sending your familiar after me. Lies. And then he stomps on the cat and he kills the cat. And so I guess he thought that that was the demon familiar for the kid. But then he's like, it was just a cat. And Hellboy's like, uh, sorry. That's a no from me. Yeah. Why would you have senseless, he stomps a cat to death? That's not a you thing. Know, That's not a thing and it can't be a thing. And I absolutely. I, the cat was a demon. Otherwise, I don't like it. It's unacceptable. Right, it's unacceptable yeah. to put that in there. I'm telling, Piglet says. Me too, Hellboy responds. And he says, huh. So, like, sorry. Nobody did. That's not, that yeah. would not be his right. That's not in the spirit of this character. Sure. None of this. I agree with that. So Hellboy goes down and he tells the parents that Piglet has been, you know, he's a gifted child and he's able to apply what he's read. So he's reading all the supernatural books that they have and he's learning how to do all this stuff. He figured out that if you two were sufficiently uh, distracted, he could get away with anything, including becoming a rich orphan. So I guess he was going to make them kill each other or he was going to make them yeah. something, something, right? He was going to drive them to do something to each the other. Murder, suicide or that, that's or like, what it's his, so yeah, dark. It's really so weird. dark. And Hellboy's like, I hate to ask, but I'm not done with the bestiary. And so Ileana's like, take it, take the whole library. And then Victor's like, those aren't your books. You can't even. And then so they just start fighting. Hellboy's just like engulfed with all the word bubbles of them going back and forth. And so that paints like a really good picture of he's just like exits. And he's like, that's enough of that. The only decent member of the family is all over my foot. Not okay. Not okay. Yeah, so that was a weird one, right? The fact that this person thought that that was okay is it's alarming to me actually it's it's a it's it's a concern this is a weird story it had like the having sex with the ghost and all that kind of even stuff even that would have been like all weird. right you're yeah. going for like a, it's yeah. kind of like a heavy metal light you're having sex with ghosts but like stomping a cat to death yeah that's just a normal cat and then and Hellboy's the, like, who the re- cares? and then the reaction's like huh like no no yeah no, no, it's no, kind of no. weird this is the one where i actually kind of came up like oh this is definitely fan fiction because the story structure feels like the little short stories you've seen with the Hellboy, like Iron Shoes and the Chain Coffin. And okay, the, yeah. You know, it feels in that sort of same vein, but it doesn't feel right. And the the killing of the cat, I mean, like I said, I guess I was just into not denial until we talked about it now. <laughs> I was just like, oh, the cat's the evil one, because Hellboy wouldn't kill a cat right not, exactly not, not that not and it's not that he wouldn't kill a cat because he wouldn't kill though. something evil he wouldn't hurt an innocent yes this feels like somebody who is trying to be edgy because look we're gonna stop on a oh cat. yeah we're trying so hard to be edgy kind of a thing sure i know the story came out in what 2003 our work was okay though canon uh, or not obviously this yeah is gonna, i think we're gonna say we're all gonna say not one. yeah I Who might wants want this? To put it in a cannon and shoot it off. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could 
compromise by having Hellboy briefly pick up the cat and be like, why I ought to, and this is you, and as for you, I'm going to do something. The kid's like, no, it's just a normal cat. And he's like, oh, and puts the cat down. And you see later, he's walking outside of the house. The cat's licking his paw on the porch. is fine. And he goes, you were the only decent the, part of that you're family. You're the only decent part of that family. That would have been a better way to end it. Better way to end it. Yeah. Just do that. <laughs> have the threat of Hellboy's like, and why, as for you, demon in yeah. disguise. Kid's like, no, 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 no. It also, I mean, so these these comics came out to promote the movie, right? Like, in the movie, okay. in the movie, they established he has like seventy cats. I wonder if that. You know, wow! I wonder I if that's, that. You're yeah. right, Aubrey. That's so funny. I wonder if that's related. In wow! Any way. Who knows? And but I do like this next story. This one's called Shattered. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales issue five, written by Ron Mars. He's an American comic book writer. Known for his work on titles such as Batman Aliens, DC vs. Marvel, Green Lantern, Silver Surfer, and Witchblade. And I read his Silver Surfer stuff. That yeah. was some of the stuff that I grew up on was that Silver Surfer, Ron Mars stuff. That's just kind of that's where, you know, a lot of the Infinity Gauntlet started. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Can you Love see a little bit of Thanos? Oh yeah. A little yeah, tiny I bit. Just a little yeah. tiny bit. Well, oh, especially in the hand. I was going to say just in the or face the right hand. area, but yeah. The right Infinity Gauntlet of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mention that because it's uh, illustrated by the great Jim Starlin. Oh. Jim Starlin is an American comic book artist and writer. Beginning in the early 1970s, he is best known for his space opera stories and for revamping the Marvel Comics characters Captain Marvel and Adam Warlock. And for creating or co-creating the Marvel characters Thanos, Drax the Destroyer, Gamora, and Shang-Chi. Later for DC Comics, he drew many of their iconic characters, especially Darkseid, and other characters from Jack Kirby's Fourth World. For Epic Illustrated, he created his own character called Dreadstar. And the colors are by Dave Stewart, lettered by Michelle Madsen, who was featured as colorer and letterer in last week's episode. So pretty cool lineup on this. Yeah, it's good. It's a good lineup. Mm -hmm. And we open right up on the action. All right. Now you piss me off, Hellboy says. And he rears his hand back. Although I I was thinking of you with the size of the right hand of doom. Yeah. Because again, it's kind it's of like I love there, Starlin yeah. and I love how he draws Hellboy here, but like, yeah, it's just not that. Just make it bigger. Just the big asymmetrical, chunky, one sided. I don't know what the, sh- yeah. yeah. know yeah. what the shyness is. It almost the- kind of looks like a a four fingered Iron Man fist. Right. Sure, yeah. yeah. It's almost like they're shy. Right. They're like, eh, it's but I'm not gonna. But no, I know what you're saying. It's like you know they're they're not used to drawing yeah. proportions out of proportion. Right. Sure. It's just it's another instinct, maybe, to do that. Yeah. And that's, also, he took the hairline back, which is fine. He took it all the way back. Oh yeah. Okay. So, he did. Yeah. He's got the uh, like the ninja shoe. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Which fits his like cloven hoof. I like that. So that's cool. And this big like tongue thing comes out, and we reveal that Hellboy's fighting this giant lizard. It kind of looks like a skink or something like that. And it made me think of the BPRD fought something similar underground in some of the Plague of Frog books. Right. I also just wonder how much of that is like, I just really want to draw a cool monster. Yeah. Which is, I endorse that. Feel free. Go for it. I'm all about that. And so there's this guy, obviously he's the villain because he's like, you know, holding some glowing thing and speaking all this prose. He is definitely holding the geode. (laughs) 
It's and magical, he, though. It's a magical geode. He says, devour him. Devour him as the universe will be devoured. I hold a great and terrible power that will unstitch time and remake it as I see fit. The jaws of the future will consume the tales of the past. All that is will be contained in the Zul Chalak, the bowl of the universe. I guess that's that geode. And so all the stuff that he's talking about, it kind of made me think of the Ouroboros, right? That's an ancient symbol depicting a serpent or dragon eating its own tail. Absolutely. And so he was kind of talking about that. It originated in ancient Egyptian iconography. The Ouroboros entered the Western tradition via Greek magical tradition and was adopted as a symbol in Gnosticism and Hermeticism and most notably alchemy. The Ouroboros is often interpreted as a symbol for eternal cyclic renewal or the cycle of life, death, and rebirth. It's also reminiscent of like some Norse mythology type stuff. There's a Vedic text. The nature of the Vedic rituals compared to a snake biting its own tail. It's been used to describe the the divine power. Kundalini shines like the stem of a young lotus. Like a snake coiled round upon herself, she holds her tail in her mouth. So there's a lot of different cultures and stuff right. that have alluded to this, this symbolism and this idea. And also, earlier, I talked about a ninja shoe. Jika Tabi, okay. I guess, apparently, is the, the word for that type of shoe, perhaps? Please? Good to know. But I, I couldn't find a reference to this Zol Chalak. I did try to look for that name that he gives the geode or whatever i couldn't find any reference to that so i think that's just a cool name ron mars came up with i think that i think that adds to the uh whole fan fiction thing because you know mignola is really good at connecting his tying it to something yeah yeah, yeah. and this huh. is all like this is my D name generator sure well this is a very yeah and so this is even the we like the language that they talk when they're saying spells and shit it's it all sounds right like it could be within that same framework and this this definitely feels like kind of a like an off-brand monster and we get a good bit of action here as hellboy's fighting this giant lizard and he's like oh this is what i do it always comes down to slugging things like this and keeping things like that out of the hands of guys like you so hand it over and so he goes after that geode or whatever and the guy says hellboy can't touch it the mere touch of it will crack his feeble mind and all this kind of stuff right he also says the Maya knew time is a tool. Mm. And I tried to look up that too. I couldn't find anything to that, but I, I thought it was an interesting comment. And yeah, I guess it has some connection with the Mayan calendar and all that. It doesn't really, but that's there, there are people that have extrapolated that into something else. Okay. It's kind of a broad, this guy, look at how wacky he is. Sure. Kind of a thing. Right. It's, it's, it's taken into a, like truly a uh, caricature of, look at this comic book guy. He's got a magical geode sure. and he's <laughs> talking about Mayan stuff stuff so yeah, right it's... oh no i i like this guy's look he's got his little short shorts on <laughs> they are very he's wrinkled his utility belt he needs to throw uh, that in the dryer for several which are a pouch, minute or two just pouches all the way around his body just all the way around <laughs> he's got his explorer yeah. his explorer beard his yeah. i haven't seen a razor in a long time beard <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he brought his cereal bowl out he sure did with energy he sure did. it looks delicious delicious <laughs> cosmic grapefruit it's... Cosmic Lucky Charms. <laughs> and in the scuffle here... We're horribly delicious. <laughs> it's the magical part of a complete breakfast. In the scuffle here, the geode, cosmic bowl, Lucky Charms goes flying up in the air, and Hellboy catches it. And so when he this catches it, we so get this incredible splash page by Starlin. So, so amazing. So as Hellboy 
touches the the geode or whatever the mystical object he gets this flashback into all these different things that do tie into the canon of his history and of all the comics that we've read too i thought this was a great refresher and so i thought i would put you and aubrey on the spot and see how many of these things you could name i made a list here of all the things that are on here all the different references and so let's just see can i name the books do you know what these references are oh yeah that's Cheresco. Oh, there you go, yeah, Aubrey. There's Jurescu there nice. from Wake the Devil. Okay, what else do you see? Hecate. Nice. Hecate's there That's in the, the uh, Iron Maiden the form. Iron Maiden, yeah, thing. And what Rathian, else? Cronin. Uh, the Project Ragnarok goons are all there. Uh, what's her name? El- Elsa. Uh, ended up in Hecate. Elsa. Yeah. This is there's the lady the Wolf that of Saint was. August. Oh, where? Where? Wolves of Saint August at the bottom. Yeah, you kind of see one of the oh, werewolves yeah, there. Oh yeah, that's the guy from the yeah. Grenier. Yeah. What Bobby else? Yaga with both her eyes, right above the book. Yeah, that's the Bobby August. Yaga, right there. Right, be- right above the wolf. Oh, I thought that was Roger. Oh, is that right? Oh, it looks more like Bobby Yaga. To He's me. got like a grimace. Well then, uh, I would love to hear what people who people think that is. I yeah. thought it was Roger. Here's the, the I headless think it's Bobby Yaga. guy from the uh, the story where he went to Japan. All the floating heads were trying to get him. The heads, okay, yep. yeah. But There's it's just one the guy. But it's just the guy, Isn't, though. Yeah. Isn't that Hunt Castle right below Rasputin? Yeah, that does look like Hunt Castle. And that's the Conqueror Worm right below that. The Conqueror Worm. Here's the guy. He's one of those guys that's underground, and he's got those weird swords that look like the King of Fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that that was Wallach. Oh. Uh, remember on Box Full of okay. Evil when Wallach becomes yeah, yeah, Hellboy yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. like an evil demon? No, so right. I thought that, that was that. Who's this lady where the ha- whole house burned down? Is that her? From a Christmas Underground. Yeah, Christmas. Yeah, Christmas Underground. There's that. There's a reference to that. There's the Audrey Jahad split apart. There's the Audrey Jahad. We see that. Is this the Audrey him that... Remember that panel where Rasputin opens his eyes, but the guy thought he was a statue? That's Saduham. Correct. Yeah. yeah, that's Saduham right there from Seed of Destruction. I'll, I Good never job. will forget that. That is That was such a fucking oh, cool moment. Who is that Nazi wiener right next to Jurescu? Uh, right, that's yeah. Leopold Kurtz. Yeah, that's, that's Kurtz. That's that wiener. He's in that robot suit from oh. Wake the Devil. This is one of the Void... Guys. Yes, okay. The jellyfish so from the guys. jellyfish from Goodbye Mr. Todd and from Conqueror Worm, those jellyfish, and we also saw them in the Abyss and Hellboy in Hell. Yeah. You've got Excalibur and then, here. And then, is that Excalibur? Was, yeah, yeah. Well, I was wondering Jinx. about that. So, you know, that that storyline hadn't come out yet. Oh shit. And I actually could not figure out what this sword is from. But what would the sword in the stone be other than that? I don't know, but I but the sword actually looks a little different. It's a kind of a weird design for the sword. I thought this bird behind it was like the harpies that we saw in Wake the Devil. But I I couldn't really place a finger on that sword. So let us know what what the sword is a reference to. Well, this fucking page rocks. Yeah, y'all got most of them. This page rules. There's Azale from the Chain Coffin, Hellboy's dad in the corner. And then we also have one of those Kree Kree Goffins. Oh, I thought you said that. The gorillas or whatever. I didn't know if y'all mentioned that, but y'all got most of them. That was that was it. But I I had to make a list and see. Okay, let me put them on the spot and see okay, what. So on the top, I thought that was like the Hellboy fantasy, but you're right, that is. Zale. Yeah, that's the yeah. But on the bottom, I thought we mentioned the gorilla Kriegan, but if we didn't, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but pretty cool. Pretty cool how they introduced all these different uh, references. What a fun page I, to draw. 
That would be I so do fun. love this. This looks like a great Hellboy advertisement page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For early Hellboy stuff. I was trying to let you in on a whole world. Before, There's a whole before, world. If you like this, this like, adventure, you'll like all these adventures. This is like all the stuff before Darkness Calls. Yeah, it really is. And like, it also made me think for someone like Ron Mars, I mean, to be able to do something like this or... Um, him or Starland, I don't know who inputted what all these different things were, but they had to have read all these different comics yeah. because these are oh, across yeah. different storylines, different stories, different issues. It's not like they took everything from Wake the Devil and put it in this flashback. They took stuff from different storylines. Oh, yeah. So it's like that really made me think about how much they had read or well, if they were huge fans of the series or, you know, this, what, because obviously well, uh, you have to know a lot of that early lore to be able to do something like this. Obviously, whoever drew this page is definitely a fan. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't just draw this page because somebody hands you some reference no. material yeah. and say, include all this, you know? Yeah. No, this is somebody who was all like, I'm going to throw in Hecate. This I'm is cool. In- this is cool. Yeah. I mean, it's got fucking Duresco in here. Yeah. That wiener. He was gone in five <laughs> seconds. You know. He's a wiener. You know, this whole story is set up to be like, we want to draw people in to read this stuff. Yeah. So if they're coming in from the movie and they've never picked up any Hellboy oh, at all. Oh, you're right. And they're going to read this. We want this to be, this is the ambassador. Holy shit. There's werewolves and gorillas and yeah. all this other You're going to look at this and you're going to be like, and, yeah. so here's what Hellboy is going to do. Here's a little intro for you. Here's what you'll get, you know, kind of a thing. Can we talk about just briefly the mastery over where your eye goes across the page on all these pages, the way that either the panels are set up or if it's a panelless page, like for example, this page here where he's fighting the monster, there's no panels, right? but there are panels. It it moves. The story moves. You know where to look. He's a master. It's a, absolute mastery of your craft to be able to do a page like this that is amazing and so on this page here where he's dropping it and it's rolling over the way that you know it's not three separate things falling down a flight of stairs but one object falling right. down the stairs because he kind of frames it a little bit and it's also intermingled with him dro- it dropping out of his hand and he's deciding what to do with it then and there because it falls it stops right yes and it's still in one piece yeah so this the storytelling. Oh, amazing storyteller! Part. This artist is an incredible storyteller. Yeah. Well, and and how the page is laid out too, where it's kind of like the panels are on top of the art. You know, like if you yes. go back, yeah. If you go back on the previous page before the big splash page, it's like that. Then we get the big splash page. Then coming out of the splash page, it's like that again. All of it. You know what All I mean? of it is like it's, that. The, it, All it's of very it is cool. Like this. Yeah. And so the whole to be able to draw a whole story like that—that's something that's earned over a lifetime of working at this skill. Yeah. And it's really that was apparent. A cool, it really yeah, shows really through. Cool. So I just was really appreciating that. And so we cut back to the BPRD headquarters in Fairfield, Connecticut. We get to see Starlin draw the Falling Water building. And there, Hellboy runs into Abe, and he's like, hey, how was that job in Guatemala? And he's like, oh, don't ask me. And Abe's like, don't ask. And he's like, don't ask. Rude. I need to report in. See you later. And so Abe, like, lets him go. He goes over to Broom's office. He's very, it's almost like he's standing in front of the door like he's pissed. Yeah. Because the tail's doing something. Oh, right. The body yeah. language body of him, language he's there. kind of like a hulking. There's like a when, little moment. Like when sometimes when animals are like mad. Yeah. They'll like do that. Anyway. So Hellboy goes in to meet with Broom 
And he's like, oh, I'm glad you're back in one piece. And he asks about that geode thing, the Zolchalak. He wants it. He's like, there's oh, a great deal we can learn from this. it. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of goes along with some of the canon, too, because yeah. like he sent Abe down to get that knife yes. and all that kind of stuff in the drowning. He's kind of not all the time. A, yeah. Know, sometimes he's got a little, some ulterior motives there. And Hellboy's like, oh, you mentioned that before I left. So I managed to put a lid on Darko. I guess that's the name of the bad guy. Before he got up to any serious mischief. Well, except for summoning this giant frog monster. And I did get the Zolchalak. And he drops it, but it's all broken. But I'm the only thing that came back in one piece. Guess it broke in the struggle. Uh-huh. But probably, we, but we saw that it that wasn't. Yeah. yeah, We saw that it wasn't. So he had to have broken it afterwards. Some things you don't want to go messing with. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. The end. And that is in very much in character. Yeah, it is. For Hellboy. Yeah. And I really Broom. Think, yeah. yeah. I think that that is something, like Aubrey was saying before, the person who wrote this really paid attention. The person who drew this really paid right. attention. They, yeah. they both seem like they're on board. In, yeah. in other words, they bought into the world of Hellboy. Even like Broom's office, if you look in there, yeah. it's like they did a good job with like all the different weird stuff that he would have in there. Yeah. And... and that's a tall order for a one-shot yeah. So with all that being said, the, now this now this time you say it. Can it or not? <laughs> it's not. It's not. But it's good. I like it. I say that it could fit in. I like it enough. I don't dislike. Plus, it had that splash page with all the canon Listen, references. I don't dislike it. Yeah. And that's as good as we're gonna get here. I think because so far. I'm gonna let it go into the movie canon. Okay. Because okay, sure. I want to I wanna think that there is a Hecate and a Jurescu and it was the St. August in the movie continuity. Yeah. I don't know if I saw anything like that. So you're putting <laughs> as, this as in the movie continuity. Well, this could be like one of those stories that somebody like wrote about Billy the Kid, you know. Didn't really happen, but it sounded cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it touched on some good points. But yeah. ultimately yeah. ultimately I, I like the art. Even though the right hand of doom could have been chunkier, I agree with no, you. No, I like the art, though. I do uh, like the art. But yeah. uh, I, I like that yeah. last page. I like the whole story. I thought it was pretty well-rounded and all that. Had I gotten into Hellboy way back in the day, like when the movie came out and I was just like right. picking stuff up and I read this story, I would throw this in my canon. But because I didn't, it's not going in mechanics. Oh, okay. No, sure. That that makes sense because like your first interaction with something that sticks with you. Yeah. And I it can really see does. that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it accomplishes what they wanted to do with the weird tells was bring in new readers from the movie. But not just that, but like it lets us know kind of a little bit of who these people are. Like that's kind of a big deal. Like there's this big cosmic object that has all this power and you're telling oh. me you just broke it. Okay, that's interesting. I want to know more about this guy. I want to know more about this guy immediately. For our next story, we're going to read Love is Scarier Than Death. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales number five. It was written by J.H. Williams III and Hayden Blackman, illustrated by J.H. Williams III. He's an American comic book artist and penciler. He is known for his work on titles such as Chase, Promethea, Desolation Jones, Batwoman, which is what I've seen his work on. He does some amazing work on that book. And The Sandman Overture. Hayden Blackman is an American writer and video game designer. He's done a lot of Star Wars comics. And he also did that Batwoman series with Williams III. Todd Klein is a letterer. He's a logo designer and occasional writer for DC Comics. 
So this story opens up in Prince George County in Maryland. Look at this ridiculous car. Okay. That's a ridiculous car. That's a, a pink, pink Cadillac. Cadillac. I know it's a pink, pink Cadillac. Cadillac. I yeah. know that. Blah, 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 and so famously, blah. Elvis Presley had a pink Cadillac. Yes. Yeah. With and the there, little fins. Before we go any further, Uh-oh. I can tell you the one thing about the art that bothers me about this okay. is it needs a black border instead of these bright white borders. Oh, okay. You didn't like the white borders on it. It yeah. would make it, it washes out the art. It would make the artwork stand out just so much better mm. if it was black. Or something not so goddamn bright. As yeah. <laughs> night mode. Night mode people weigh in. Yeah. People who put that's the an, night that's mode That's interesting there, that you, know you notice I mean? that. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's various like apps you can switch it to that exact thing that you're not, talking not, about. So not, like, on, not on this. Not, no, because this is a picture panel. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is like, I like that's a thing. There are some people who prefer that in general but, kind of a No, I have, I have those settings turned on. But yeah, uh, it doesn't work on this panel. <laughs> I totally agree. This would definitely be better if it had a, a night mode. Had a night mode. <laughs> also, I feel like he looks like a transformer. He looks more than meets the eye. He looks like a smooth plastic toy. He <laughs> looks like there's more than meets the eye. Like she looks like a you know person, but she, he's drawn like he's like a. I don't know. I kind of like this version of Hellboy. Okay. I was going to talk I- about that. I, I'm fine with the way he looks. Okay. You know. I'm not saying, like, I'm not trying to be a hater. I just, like, it, it was different. It was different for me. And so we're in the backseat of this pink Cadillac, and Hellboy is staking out an area with FBI agent Emma Granger. And they're waiting for a goat man. Hellboy has his doubts, but Granger says they're bait and they need to act like it. And so she puts on lipstick. She's, yeah, it was. And there's also this weird effect in the story, too. It's kind of like a throwback. It makes me think of, like, I don't know what, this little element where they have the heart on the bottom of the page, this black little heart. And so as we go on, it'll, like, bleed more and stuff like that, which I think is an interesting touch. Right. It kind of makes me think of, like, old maybe, like, romance comics or something like that, you know, which kind of feels like what they're trying to do here. And so, you know, Granger, she puts on her lipstick and Hellboy goes, Christ, I'm taking a nap. Wake me up if we get attacked by your killer goat. Jeez. Other than the, it really needs a black border instead of a white border. I do like the artwork. I like the colored pencil pastel, you know, like pastel look to it. It's just, you know, because like there's, some, there's like a di- difference between like digital art, markers, paints and all that. Right. The, w- the way that um, colored pencils, if you do it right, it looks really good. Yeah. And. I feel like that this looks really good. Of course, this could also be just pencils with digital renderings to turn the colors the sure, right way, but right, I don't really right. know. Either way, I like the way that the artwork looks. Right hand is a little bit bigger, still too small for my taste. I like it. I think it looks pretty good. It kind of reminds me of the Alex Maleev Hellboy that we saw sure. in the 1950s. And some people round the fingers out. They're not round. They're flat. Oh, okay. So they're flat here, which is good. And we cut to night four, and the two are sitting in silence. Hellboy says the BPRD is ready to reassign him to something eating fishermen in the Congo. But Granger says they've discovered the Goatman has been killing for a decade, and they think he was a scientist experimenting with gene combination. Hellboy asks, why would he turn himself into a goat? Maybe he wanted to impress his girlfriend, Granger responds. He should have taken her to Paris, Hellboy says. <laughs> Is that how you impressed Anastasia What's-Her-Name by flying her around the world? And so here Granger is 
referencing being Anast- a super creep. Right. Yeah, she's being a super creep. And she's referencing Anastasia Bronzefield. We haven't seen her, but Broom mentioned Hellboy had been off with this woman for over a year in Abe Sapien the Drowning. Can I just say, can I just say, if this was flipped, absolutely unacceptable. Oh, Brian, yeah. So this is unacceptable behavior. Like, well, this she's is like, oh, okay. it's all over the internet. It's you know played what I mean? for laughs yeah. here, but like, I'm sorry, this is a very uncomfortable situation. Like, this is... Ooh. She's like, is that how you impressed this other person? Right. Sorry, I read about it on the internet. <laughs> there are entire sites devoted to your love life. He is trapped in a car with this right, person yeah. who keeps trying to like be physically intimate with him. And she's talking about like how she read about him on the internet. This is real creepy. It's real scary. Yeah. He gets real quiet. <laughs> it's very scary. Yeah, well, it's been a slow news decade, Hellboy responds. He says he'll give the goat man a few more nights, but then he's heading to New York. I hear they got alligators in the sewers. And Granger frowns. You always this funny? Not on purpose, Hellboy says, yeah. looking out the window. Yeah, like I, I saw one of your socks on eBay and I bought it and I smell it at night. Like, what are you? This is not flirting. This is not good flirting. On night seven, Hellboy's just taking Granger out for dinner. And so now they're waiting in the car. And he's starting to get impatient. Well, okay. No, no, no. She says, thanks for dinner. He goes, no worries. I figured it was finally my turn to pay. Ah. So she's been like, oh, let me buy you dinner. Let me buy you dinner. And he's like, okay, I kind of feel bad she's been buying me right, dinner. Right, yeah. We're working together. I'll, ex- you know, let me, it's a professional courtesy. <laughs> it's like a professional courtesy to him to do that. But like to her, it's a different thing. And so anyway. But I do like this shirt. It says heart to rock. Love to rock. Love to rock. And I was looking for it. So I actually got online. I was looking for this shirt. I found shirts that said, I love rock and roll. I found a shirt that said, I love rocks. I found a shirt that says, I love rock, but I could not find a shirt that says, love to rock. I, I would love I this I want this shirt. shirt now, though. But he's in this shirt and shorts, and she's like in this sexy red dress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's like... Totally overdressed for the situation. Overkill. And she goes, okay, I'm just putting this out there. Goatman's victims were always couples in the throes of passion. Maybe he was drawn by their raging hormones or some primal energy that they released, but whatever signal they sent, we're not sending. And so Hellboy's like, oh, come on, the Goatman isn't even real. Then they won't be interrupted, she says. What's Uh... the problem? So she starts advancing (laughs) on the Hellboy, and she's like getting all on top of him. And then just then, the goat man attacks. <laughs> he rips open the top of the car. You got to insert like a goat sound here. <laughs> I love the goat sound. <laughs> I love this. I love the onomatopoeia for that. I love the artwork on this too. The oh, goat man good. look is really good. Really good. Um, he's got like this giant axe or something like that. And so Granger, <laughs> she pulls her gun. You couldn't wait another minute, she asks, and then she starts shooting at him. Don't shoot him. He's chilling. I love this panel as Hellboy jumps out of the car, though, and he's like, book me the next flight home. This won't take long. And he's got, uh, he's got some ducks on. Yeah. yeah, I love his outfit with the shirt and the shorts and his boots. Um, just really good. I, I do like the right hand. What kind, I feel of show, like, what kind of show is he ready to go to? I don't know. He's so. ready to go to a bad religion show. That's where he's going. And uh, he uh, comes. He's going to Henry Rollins show. There he's going to a Rollins show. <laughs> and he comes out, 
he goes after the goat man and he blocks the goat's axe with his right hand of doom. He's I really very like that. Right hand of doom. And he like it pulls... destroys the axe with his. It hand. does. Yeah, it does. It cracks the axe and he pulls the little goat beard. Yeah. I really like that. Oh, no, <laughs> don't pull, don't pull the goat beard. Thanks for the rescue, yeah. pal. He says it was getting a little hot in there, even for me. And the goat's all confused. <laughs> That's a cute little panel where he's got him. I like the I art like on this the goat, a lot. Man, yeah. yeah, the artwork is gorgeous yeah it's almost like it still needs a black border but you know. <laughs> yeah i wonder uh, if it's mixed media like is it colored pencil is it watercolor is it markers is it like a mix of all it's those? got a really distinctive look it really does and so i wonder you know i'd be curious to ask the artist um you know and how he worked on this. you know honestly what i think it might be it might be a little pencil graphite pencil and marker and then digitally altered in sure. uh, photoshop you or can whatever, do or, all that yeah or, the way his arm is rendered in this red, it, it looks pencils. See, and some of it to me looks like markers, too. Oh, yeah. The way his shirt is drawn like looks wash. like markers. It looks like yeah. a wash. Almost. Yeah. It and looks like it's really happening. I, I, I see Aubrey's point about the white panels, but I do like how the action steps out of the panels. Yeah, like Hellboy's I like boot and the goat's horns and stuff like that. Like, it makes the page very dynamic. Right. Yeah, no, the panel layout's great. And Hellboy punches out the goat man. With the his left hand. With his regular hand. Yeah. When you wake up, remember that I went easy on you, he He says. did go easy on him. And Granger says, ha, meet your urban legend. Because Hellboy didn't think it was real. She's like, world's greatest paranormal investigator, yeah, my ass. Yeah, it looks ass. like you got your man. Yeah. He just cuts her off. He's had enough of this. And she goes, one of them anyway. All right, all right. And so he kind of looks at her. And I feel like this breaks the ice yeah. between them. It's been so awkward. And he's like, look, Emma, my life's really weird. I can handle weird, she says. I just spent a year hunting a giant goat man. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Hellboy says. I'm not getting into the backseat of another car ever. And yeah. she's like, oh, my parents would love you. Yeah, so it ends on a, you know, oh, she's she's and, not going to give him a hard time about it. They're joking about it. And and the bleeding heart that's been in all the panels is now just a regular, it's a regular red normal heart. heart. Yeah, and so, yeah, I thought that was kind of nice. Canon or fan fiction? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fanfic for sure. Not my favorite story, <laughs> But I do it's love the worst. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love J. H. Williams the third and Hayden Blackman. Really nice. Um, their Batwoman stuff is incredible. I was just looking the other day. There's going to be an omnibus that's supposed to come out next year for that Batwoman collection, and I can't uh, say enough good things about it. It's such a great series. J. H. Williams. I love his artwork. So. You know, this one gets a pass for me, even though it's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird story. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it, but do? but it also I felt like it was they were trying to hearken back to a time period. Sure, you know, with that little heart on the bottom and the style of the book. It's almost and the like, pink Cadillac. Yeah. It almost had like this kind of. They were trying to do a romance well, novel, romance see, comics. You normally in that setup, maybe it's meant as like a tongue in cheek thing, right? Right, where the guy is like. Hey, baby, your parents aren't here now. Let's do right, some smooching. Yeah. There's no one around. And she's like, oh, I don't know. And then the goat man right. appears. And that would be like, you know, that's your typical. But now it's you're Hellboy. Hellboy's being the, the one. Yeah. You're at make a point and the goat man comes. So she's she wants to live this fantasy of of the stereotypical kind of thing of like you're making out in the back of a Cadillac and a goat man comes around. Right. <laughs> it's almost like she's like, wouldn't that be fun? Right. But it's a silly kind of play on that because she's 
trying to make out with Hellboy and Hellboy's like not having it. He's yeah. like, you're coming on a little strong. Yeah. This is uncomfortable. Can we just get this job over with? And it's kind of a practical approach to that. <laughs> okay, so this kind of actually kind of goes back to something that uh, Mark was saying on the podcast a couple weeks back, that he enjoys his platonic friendships. Yes. And yeah. I really do that. And, and I feel like this story is just kind of a weird trying to force some sort of romance on Hellboy. I don't know. Maybe it's just me being an old curmudgeon, get off my lawn kind of thing, <laughs> saying. But it just it just felt weird. That's why I wonder, like, if the reversal of the roles is meant as a joke, almost like it's yeah. kind of a, like it's a play I mean, on that old story kind of a thing, you know? Like they're making fun I mean, of it, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it, they could be, and that's fine. But then it gets kind of goes back to the whole thing. It's just like. I don't really enjoy seeing Hellboy in romantic situations. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't if they're know. sincere, if they're genuine. I don't want to be like a prude or anything. No, no but that's <laughs> but it's funny. Like the comedy is that he's like, nah, I'm all oh, right. Yeah, no, no, I'm no, all that, right. That he's on carpet. No, I, I get that. Yeah. I get that. It's just, but for me, I mean, the artwork was stellar. I enjoyed the artwork on this one immensely. Right. Uh, For our next story, we're going to read Command Performance. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales number 6, written by Will Pfeiffer. He's a comic book writer known for Catwoman Blue Beetle and Wonder Woman Amazon's Attack miniseries, illustrated by P. Craig Russell, colored by Lovern Kinzertsky and lettered by Galen Showman. And if any of those names seem familiar or this art seems familiar, it's the same gang that did the Vampire of Prague from Hellboy Short Stories. Yeah. Okay. So that was kind of interesting. I really like seeing P. Craig Russell back on doing a Hellboy story. And so this opens in 1991. Hellboy visits Paris on account of some murders that have been going on for a hundred years. Oh, no. The victims are all drained from blood. That's drained an awful of blood long time and for murder scene. yeah and missing organs and parts of organs yikes and so he goes to this theater le theater du grand guignol this is known as grand guignol a theater in pigali district of paris from its opening in 1897 until its closing in 1962 it specialized in naturalistic horror shows its name is often used as a general term for graphic amoral entertainment and the theater of Grand Guignol, that actually means the theater of the big puppet. And so we've seen a lot of puppet yeah, shows puppets. and stuff like that. And the Vampire of Prague was a puppet show type of thing. So I just started thinking of all these different things and how they're tied together. And so the real theater audience waned in years following World War II. And the theater building still exists, but now it's occupied by the International Visual Theater a company devoted to presenting plays in sign language. Hey, nice. So I thought that was interesting. So this theater is still around, although in 1992 it was already long closed. Ah. I really like the art on here. As Hellboy goes in, he meets with all the actors. And so the actors are, there's like a man, a woman, there's like a strong guy and a little kid. And as he's talking to them, there's also this creepy Iron Maiden Right? So there's Iron Maiden that kind of like opens up and there's like a little whisper with like a green word bubble. I really like that effect because we know all about like Hellboy's history with Hecate. That's good. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or could it just be theatrics? Right? We don't know. Hellboy asks how they still draw an audience. He figures slasher movies and video games had taken their place. And the guy, Andre, he says there's always a market for them. They've been going for over a century. Since your ancestors started this racket, right? Hellboy asks. 
Ah, yes, that's right, Hellboy, Andre says before excusing himself for the show. So as he's trying to get out of there, Hellboy pulls his gun on them. And I really like this panel, how it's like they're all silhouetted. I just think that's a really interesting looking layout. Oh, yeah, that panel's a great layout. Super good. He says their troop is connected to murders. Your great grandpa might have started it, but I'm finishing it, Hellboy says. Great grandpa? Oh, Hellboy, Andre responds. And so he says, you are so naive. And we see the poster from yeah. 1902, and they look exactly the same. Yeah, it's good. And they're <laughs> Yeah, they're all laughing. Sneaky laugh. All of a sudden, the curtain goes up, and they're all on stage. So all this, that's you know, they think they're backstage with Hellboy, and now they're all on stage. And so he's part of the show. And Andre tells Claude, the strong guy, to take on Hellboy. And so, like, Hellboy pulls out his gun and he shoots Claude in the head, and like, like his eyeball goes flying and all this what? stuff. And the audience must, is completely. He must have been aiming for his chest. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the audience is completely silent. And then Claude gets up, still alive, even though his eyeball is hanging out by a string. And then the audience goes crazy. They love it. Figures, Hellboy says. Andre says the patrons who died were happy to give their lives so their art could continue. And they all turn into monster people. Yeah, they're monster people. And so they all get on Hellboy and they're taking him down. Andre gets this axe. I like how he like touches the sharp yeah. point of the axe. As long as one of us remains young and whole, thus do we all. Oh. <laughs> Once you tell, don't show. Right? Exactly. So Hellboy, after hearing this information, he looks over at the kid. That's the trouble with actors, he says. You talk too much. And so he shoots at the kid, now having that crucial crucial piece of information. Of little blonde kids that are absolutely the devil. Right, yeah. The There's been twice the already. <laughs> because just... little blonde kids are the devil. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> and so when I he sh- I was one. <laughs> And when he shoots the kid, he starts, like, going all weird, or I don't know. He is going all weird. He's turning into a monster. This whole thing is just, like... And they all start kind of, like, hissing or, like, deflating or something. And then there's, like, some huge explosion where they all, like, disintegrate and scream out. This is just someone's on too much acid. And then so Hellboy's left there in the aftermath. All the debris is falling from the air. And then the crowd loves it. And they're telling him, bravo, and everything. They think it's part of the show. (laughs) And so Hellboy's just like, heh, as he scratches his head. We cut over to later, and Abe Sapien's there, and he's like, oh, I thought you were going to wait for me on this one. And Hellboy's like, oh, it happened too quickly. I didn't get a chance to. And so they put it together. Oh, I guess the kid was some sort of fountain of youth, and he needed the flesh and blood of the patrons to keep everybody alive. And Hellboy's like, well, I just made a lucky guess. Case like this, you never really know what's going on. And this fucking guy rocks up, and he's like, Hey, man, you're great. The crowd loves you. I'm going to represent you. I'm going to pay you for your live entertainment. Yeah. And you got the goods. You got the goods. Yeah. And really? <laughs> and no, but so Abe immediately just just laughing. Right. Just laughing his ass off. Incredible. And that's that's actually a great moment of like their working relationship because that's yeah, hilarious. That I is love good. That, that their relationship is like that. Heck, I'll admit one thing, Hellboy says. The applause was a nice touch. <laughs> the end. And we see the little Iron Maiden again with like a little tentacle coming waka out of it. Waka waka. I love that detail there. That was pretty good. I don't know. Yeah, you know. I thought that was a fun one. And I, I love seeing uh, P. Craig Russell back on a Hellboy story. Some, some fan fiction there. Is it? What is it? Is it canon or is it not? 
It's not. Well, you know, and also, I guess that historical fiction piece is kind of off for me, too. I hate to gripe about something as stupid as that, no, but it's, the know. theater was already gone by 1991, Whatever. so I do like this Maybe story, it was though. All yeah, that was a good one. Maybe and then as, he, as they walked away, it disappeared like a mirage, oh, like steam coming I off like of that. the pavement. Now it's canon for now, me. Yeah. <laughs> this one, this one for me, feels like a cartoon sure. that exists in the Hellboy universe. It's the animated history. It's a DVD of extra. Okay. Yeah. For our next story, we're going to go on to. Big Top Hellboy. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales, issue one. Dun, 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 dun. Story and art by John Cassidy. John Cassidy! As if it, it could be anyone else. As soon as you look at this, you right. immediately know it's John we Cassidy. We mentioned John Cassidy Very last excited. week. Colors and letters by Dan Jackson. He colors a lot of comics for Dark Horse and edited by Scott Alley. Very exciting to get John Cassidy. Yeah, so we saw him on that action adventure doing yeah. like the old school style, and then mm-hmm. here it's kind of like more of his regular... I'm fucking excited. Yeah, as soon cool. as I saw this, I did not know it was coming, and I was just like, oh, fuck, it's John Cassidy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I got super psyched for it, and it's perfect. As soon Like the first page here, it's so good. Helicopter coming down, the feet... The cloven hooves yeah. coming down the stairs. They both look back. Perfect Liz. Perfect Abe here with his ridiculous disguise. I love it. Some From whimsy. Of destruction. Some yeah. whimsical stuff right off the bat. And he's coming up. This is just classic John Cassidy. And I hate the circus. Whose voice do you hear? Ron Perlman. I hear Ron yeah. Perlman. It's so classic. It's so classic. Look at the right hand of doom. Everything is perfect. Looks good, yeah. It's John Cassidy style. But it's still, you can tell in this page that he has so much love for the source material. Right, yeah. And I love that about it. I love this. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see that little Abe disguise. And then uh, I hate the circus. So we talked about the circus a lot. You know, between now and then, we would have had the Midnight Circus if this was considered canon. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, but I do like that, that now he hates the circus. Yeah. Where earlier when he was like a little kid, he was like, is that circus. a circus? Yeah. yeah. So I thought circus. that was really funny. But that harkens back to that kind of like hero's journey yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Where he's like, he's, he's a grizzled veteran now. And so in this story, we're in Mark Luthen, Germany. This is a municipality in Bavaria, Germany in 1994. So this would have been right around that seat of destruction time where Abe was using that disguise. And so they're investigating a ghost circus. <laughs> a ghost Circus. A circus is a circus, Liz, Hellboy says. Okay, well, it most certainly is not. No, it's a, a definitely a weird a spectral circus. circus. Yeah. It's a ghost circus. They are not the same. Abe says, at the turn of the century, we believe the circus roamed villages in Bavaria. The story goes that several children went missing and days later turned up dead here. And the circus, with its oddities and freak shows, was an easy target. The townspeople formed a mob and trapped the carnies in their big top, and they sent a tent ablaze, burning all inside to their deaths. Thirteen children have gone missing, Abe says. The circus has come to town for revenge. So that's why they're there. Right. You know, there's this whole history. So this is taking... So it's like Freddy Krueger again. All over yeah, the I was just yeah. going to say, yeah, Freddy Krueger circus. Yeah, there you go. It's taking the circus archetype and the Freddy Krueger archetype and like smooshing them and they allude to a piece of tech and liz is like did you bring it and hellboy's like yeah i got it right here so he's got something in his utility belt that he's going to use for all this and so again he says i always hated the circus 
They find the freaks of the world and make them feel ashamed like animals. Nice outfit, Abe. It's good. So I feel like that's a little dig at Abe because he's wearing that outfit to cover nice himself. Outfit, yeah, yeah, no, it's you know good. I mean? It's good. It's a good little, you get some personal relationships there. And Hellboy enters the circus. And when he goes inside, the artwork by Cassidy is just incredible. Oh, so good. I'm just falling so head good. over heels over this. It is so good. Oh, All yeah. the little ghost work in there. And I love how we focus in on Hellboy's face and just his glowing eyes. Awesome. Um, just really great pacing. I love the layout of this page as we just take in. All the ghost madness that's going on. He's within. chill. He doesn't give a fuck. He's yeah. not distracted by any of that. And so this little carny guy, he shows up and he's like, "Oh, what kind of freak are you?" Wait, wouldn't he be the ringmaster? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the little ringmaster guy. Thank you, Aubrey. Hellboy asks, "Where are the children?" Right down to business. Where's the children, creep? Yeah. And the ringmaster asks him, "Are you looking for a job?" Because he's all you right, know, devil yeah. guy. And he's like, I got one. Answer Face me. Face of a broken gargoyle. <laughs> right. Hooves. Grotesque. You looking for a job. Really good. And Hellboy says, I got one. Answer me or I'll kick your clown ass so hard you'll grow. Yikes. <laughs> so he's like, oh, you think you're here for justice? We came to entertain the flatties. That's what we do. Our job. That's all we wanted. Now you stand on our grave. I tried to look for this term "flatties." I couldn't really find any. I, I couldn't find a really. T- I'm not a term familiar for that. with that yeah. uh, phrase. So, so um, yeah, I thought that that was a weird term to use. The ringmaster says, "You want the children? Let me take you to them." And Hellboy gets engulfed by all these ghosts, like wrapping around. That's him. a really cool. Yeah, really nice work here. Yeah. And so Hellboy just wants him to admit it that he slaughtered the kids. Justice comes no other way, the ringmaster says. And so Hellboy's like, that's all I wanted to hear. You little clown bastard. And whatever he takes out of his utility belt, he holds it in his right hand. And he punches his hand underground. And then so we cut to now the circus is gone. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So there's like some magic going on here in terms of like what Hellboy's using. He's brought it down all condensed into this like puddle. Right. And so he's like, all right, Liz, now it's time. This is a plan that they had. Right, yeah. So Liz is like, so at this point in time, is she's not particularly in control? Well, if this is 94, then yeah, like okay. probably not. Because so, then like, she leaves, doesn't she? She quits later and goes to Agartha yeah, so and like, burns all that. Abe here is like, just concentrate. You can do this. Right. He's kind of like, he's providing some support there. Hellboy releases this thing. We're going to learn it's a spectral bomb. That's what they call it. That's super cool. Yeah, and I love this panel, too, as he, like, drops it and, like, just his hand is sticking through. Yeah. And then we see all the swirl of madness from the circus. I like the way that this little object operates. Like, that's... That was interesting to me. The nice little design on the object, yeah. And so Liz lights it up. And then, of course, the hilarious, ah, Hellboy can get blown up. Right, yeah. Which is, you know, that's fun. He goes flying off, and of course it had no effect on him. Liz is like, you would know more about these things if you showed up for briefings. (laughs) And Hellboy says, my hand, it fit in the portal perfectly like a glove. Like a glove? Like a key, Abe asks, because there's the whole, you know, it's the key to the... That's more of like kind of a movie thing, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is these are people who are invested. Yeah. In what's going on. These people are invested. And Abe asks Liz if she's okay... And she says, just a little cold. They killed all those children, Abe, and I burned them into nothingness. How about you, Abe-ass Hellboy? I've got the face of a broken gargoyle. 
Yeah, I'm fine. Hellboy I love says. this. I love this. I the love, end. I love Liz here. I love Abe. He's almost got like little scales here. Yeah, I really like the character designs on this one. And then, of course, Hellboy. It's great. It's just all of it is so good. It's great. And so, Cassidy, Chef's Kiss. Love it. It fits into that 1994 timeline, too, of these characters. Yeah, you know so, what? canon or not. I would not mind. Uh, calling it a cat. Oh, okay. I don't mind. I don't mind. There you go. I think it's fine. What about you, Aubrey? It's on that level. It's on that level. As far as this one goes, with canon or not, I'm going to go ahead and say canon. Sure. Hate canon because I really do want more of the Abe Liz Hellboy yeah. stories. That little group yeah. that we saw show up yeah. at the Cavendish Hall at the beginning of Seed of Destruction. I want more of that group because there's definitely a history there. Yeah. There's definitely a history in Hellboy. We got BPRD 40s, 50s, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know? And the quality so, is there. Like, had had this one fallen in when we were reading the early stuff sure. back in the day, I wouldn't have questioned this at all. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, and I love that you said that about the team-up, Aubrey. I would love to see more stories that are just Hellboy, Liz, and Abe. Absolutely, just for sure. Just going on these random missions. I would love to see that book, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I would love to see more stories like that. And the reason because- also why I, th- why I think this could be potentially canon is that you could see this story continuing into the rest of the book. Yeah. Like, you could see this yeah. as the opening of a story if Phila and Abe's like like a key and then it's like back at the headquarters Abe is researching all these books I gotta research this I gotta know and he's talking to Broom and he's doing all this stuff like this just seems like a topic that is very important that well, because you know what I mean it's not just like ah we're in a car we're making out see like it seems like something <laughs> that would matter well I mean that also fits into Broom's character because we already know that he's making uh, audio recordings of all their sessions uh-huh. right right yeah I mean this and in Abe and you know he's always like oh Abe you've read you've done the research and yeah. all that. so this definitely fits in with all of that I mean this fits Canon until otherwise said right yeah yeah I agree none of it seems out of place or like something they wouldn't say. It all seems like something... Within the characters, It seems yeah. like the beginning of a story. Yeah. And it seems like this could continue into the rest the of... The cold open of the X-Files. Sure, or exactly. Or of the yeah. movie or something like right. that. Right. This yeah. could continue into another couple of books. Like, this is... They're starting... It looks like if I turn the page, the next page is going to be them back at headquarters. Cavendish Hall. Yeah. yeah, doing stuff. Yeah. You know, and so, like... And it's going to relate back to this. I love that. Yeah, it's not bad. Great discussion. And for our last story, we're going to discuss Theater of the Dead. This is a non-canonical story published in Hellboy Weird Tales number 7, written by Jim Pascoe and Tom Fassbender. Jim Pascoe is a writer, designer, and award-winning creative director. His credits include Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Hellboy Animated, and the original series Undertown, as well as Cotton's. Tom Fassbender is also a writer who's worked on the Buffy comics. It's illustrated by Simeon Wilkins. He's primarily a storyboard artist, so I thought this was interesting. He's gone on to work on a lot of the new Marvel stuff. He's working on Eternals and WandaVision. He also worked on the New Mutants movie, which hasn't come out yet. Detective Pikachu, Birds of Prey, Shazam, The Fate of the Furious, Cabin in the Woods, the TMNT 2007 CGI movie, 
and Which the is two- better than all the other TNT movies. Yeah, really. And the 2004 Hellboy movie. So he was also a storyboard artist on there, too. So that, that was all so right. interesting since this is being made around the time of the Hellboy movie and all that kind of stuff. So he's gone on to do a lot of really great work for some big projects. So that's pretty awesome. It's colored by David Self. He's a colorist that works primarily for DC Comics and lettered by Annie Parkhouse. Annie Parkhouse has been one of the leading letterers in British comics for over 30 years. She won an Eagle Award for her works, which include Alan Moore's Marvel Man, Judge Dredd, 2000 AD, and Hellblazer, and edited by Scott Alley. And so, on this story, we open up on a familiar thing, Hellboy and Abe fighting Nazis. I would not be defeated so easily, Hellboy, this robot-suited Nazi says... And then so we cut to El- Hellboy and Abe walking away from the beaten crew. Abe says... Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fairly, fairly yeah. easily. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> this is like our third into the world scheme, you know? So that's pretty good. This month, they say, right? Ah, you Nazis. The, the war's over. Right. <laughs> and they decide to go into this theater to catch a movie. Okay. Suddenly... All the townspeople are, like, running away. They say there's some guy shooting everything with a machine gun. This is just the non-Nazi nasty that I need, Hellboy says. Where can I find this guy? They're tired of dealing... Finding him doesn't seem to be a problem. Right, and Abe holds up (laughs) the little uh, gun, the bullet shells, right? And so there's like a tra- there's a trail of them, yeah, leading to the gunman. Oh, but but I do like this how they're tired of all the end of the world stuff, right? And now they just want to like some old fashioned troublemaking or whatever. So they follow all the bullet casings, like Aubrey said, to the theater. And in the theater, someone comes from behind the stage curtain and starts shooting at them. He's rabbiting into the orchestra pit. Hellboy says, "Oh boy." And they reveal he's headless. He's a headless mobster or something. And Hellboy and Abe follow him into the pit. Zombie orchestra. I really love that reveal. The whole orchestra guys are all zombies. All right. Why not? And this one guy comes at Hellboy with the violin bow, but it just snaps in half. And so they're just, uh, Hellboy's enjoying just punching off zombie heads or whatever. At least they aren't Nazis, Hellboy says. There's that. Right. (laughs) They say none of this end of the world stuff. It's just simple things. All a zombie wants is to eat a brain, Hellboy says. So they're still looking for the gunman. Abe is like, what does the gunner want, though? Abe, he's a gangster. Gangsters are all about gambling, prostitution, jewel heist. Simple, Hellboy says. Now let's see for ourselves. So they follow it, and then inside, they find all these guys doing some creepy ceremony, right? We see, like, some sigil drawn on the floor, and there's, like, a mobster, and there's another guy, and they have, like, a violin case on the table. There's the headless gunman, and there's some sort of, like, gorilla thing. What are you boys into, Hellboy says? Gambling, prostitution, jewel heist? (laughs) All right. It's curtains for you two, the gangster says, and the whole damn place. No more playing for peanuts. I'm talking about the end of the world. So it is an end of the world scheme, and they thought that they weren't dealing with one. God damn it. And so the head guy, he holds up the head of the headless gunman, and he shouts for the monkeys to go get them, boys. And so these, like, they have these monkeys in these, like, suits or whatever that attack Hellboy and Abe. They're more like orangutan right yeah 
And in the scuffle, the head of the gunman gets, like, thrown aside. You ignoramus, the head is the key, the gangster says. <laughs> I do like this because we see the head falls over near Abe. And then so Abe's looking at it. He's got, like, a little question mark over his head. And Hellboy's about to punch the monkey out, but the gunman's got him at gunpoint. What are you waiting for, the lead guy says. Kill him. So Abe, he throws the head over to Hellboy Hellboy catches the head and throws it over to the gunman, and then he turns around and shoots all the gangsters and all the bad guys. And they're like, no, curse you. This is not the end. The gunman, he just wanted his head back. Crazy gangsters, always trying to invoke my vengeful spirit, the gunman says, and is holding his own head as he walks off. What I wouldn't give for a simple row with some kraut scum. Like back in the Great War, he says as he walks off. At least he realizes it's over, Abe says. Oh, it's over, all right, Hellboy responds. The end. And I do like how the little bullets, when the gunman is shooting all the gangsters, the bullets make a little trail and that's that the end or whatever. Pretty nice work there on the panel layout. But overall, this is just kind of like a goofy story, right? Yeah, you know, that's, that's fine. Canon or non-canonical? Definitely not canonical. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I did like the Hellboy Abe team up. I would like to see more stories where it's just like these little stories with Hellboy and Abe or like Hellboy Abe and Liz and stuff like that. We heard a short story and it's like a five minute cartoon that happens in between commercials. Right. Or something like that. You can see where some people's priorities are at. Some people are like, yeah, this will be a fun waka waka. And some people are like, nah, man, I'm going to really do it. Sure, okay. So, you know, I think that that's where you're... It depends on where these people were coming from. I think we talked about it last week, but when he's like, oh, it's over, all right. It was very kind of like, check, please, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I I would like to know what the criteria was. (laughs) Mm, Check, please. Well, this felt like... The kind of story that showed up in the Hellboy and Hell short stories, like the Iron Shoes. I know I said that earlier on another story and all that, but you know, it's like a, like a one-off story. But this feels more like a fan fiction version of a Hellboy story. Yeah. I think when some people hear you're doing a short story, they say, "Oh, maybe that's not enough to get a reader invested. I'll just do something silly, and that's fine." But then well, for some people, they're like, "I can do this," and they do it, and it's amazing. <laughs> I feel like they kind of got the vibe of Hellboy, but they didn't catch the voice of Hellboy. Yeah, it does have the vibe. Yeah, I, we talked about vibing a little bit last week. But I, I, I do like the page layouts, too. I did really like the art and... Oh, yeah. You know, where they're following all the bullets and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But and if it, it's like, if it's a... what. what? What were you inspired to do? Like, is that what it was? Was it just like, hey, you're doing Hellboy. You don't have to read any of it or you could read right. all of it. You don't have to relate it to the rest of you, or you could. Like, I don't know. Like, what was the criteria? Like, what did they tell them? That's to an interesting do? question. What was yeah. the homework assignment? Well, I feel like if you were to take not all of these stories, if you were to take certain ones of these stories and were to hand them to certain buddy who read the movie, who watched, who was like, I love the Hellboy movies. Sure. And you're like, hey, if you like the Hellboy movies, here's a sampling. That kind of feels like a mix of the movies, but also gives you kind of a flavor of the Hellboy short stories. Then I feel like you can use that as something as a bridge. Yeah. But that's a very narrow person. That's only like three people. Maybe they are. They're trying to appeal to a broad audience. And so they don't know who is reading this. It could be anyone. Right. 
you know, there's some stuff for everybody in it. Maybe is that maybe that's the thing. Yeah. So there you go. It is strange. I I, I don't know. Uh, some of these stories, I was kind of like, I'm on board for these, and some of them, I was kind of like, well, yeah, I don't know, so you know. Yeah. Um, but I I do like your question of what is what was the criteria or yeah. what was the little syllabus or one pager <laughs> that they were like, okay, you're you're gonna do a Hellboy story now. Right. I would love to see yeah. now though, like Mark. Tweedell mentioned weirder tales like this was in the beginning where not a lot, a lot had been done with Hellboy and BPRD yeah. and so now that there's been so much if people came back and did something like this I wonder what it would be some people you know? took their assignment really seriously yeah some people were invested in this world building thing oh yeah that giant splash page by Jim Starlin that had excuse all those me, easter eggs me. yeah that yes, was pretty absolutely. cool yeah or like Cassidy yeah, yeah. He's serious business all the way. Yeah. He's going to give you a fucking Hellboy story. And, well, and the character has, involved, has evolved so much more since these right. came out. Right, sure, exactly. Yeah. No, so how much yeah. stuff was actually now? out there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good discussion on these stories. I'd be interested to hear what our listeners think of these weird tale stories. Let us know which ones you like, which ones you think are canon or not. You know, that's something that we're playing around with. Obviously, they're all non-canonical, but... Just basically, which ones did you like? Which ones would you like to be part of the canon if you could decide? You know, and And you can enjoy stuff, you know, that we were maybe like, all right, and that's fine. I, like I said, we are making space for that. We make, we're making room for that here. Yeah. For you to be able to enjoy everything that you want to enjoy. Yeah. So we're going to come back next week for more weird tales. We're so weird. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. How did you enjoy those weird tales? <laughs> Why don't you send us a Hey You Damn Guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com or on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find our resources on our Facebook About section and also on our Podbean webpage. As always, a special thanks to Paul from Gautrahan for the uh, theme song. We love you. Love it. Also, thank you to Mark Tweedell for always with the reading order and always and sometimes showing up on the show. Yeah. Love you, Mark. And thank you, John, for always making all of us sound awesome, even (laughs) though I'm still recording from home on my phone. Yeah. Anytime. (laughs) And I know I don't sound great, but, you know, John's making me sound good. You can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week. We are continuing with the Weird Tales, and we're reading Abe Sapien, Star of the BPRD, 15 Minutes, The Dread Within, Cool Your Head, and Toy Soldier. So, you know what to do. You go out, wear a mask, and get your comics, you know, with some hand sanitizer, (laughs) and read it in a bubble, or you can digital beam it into your brain with new technology that is going to be available by the time you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> so there you go. And join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Loveless saying the applause was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, that's good. <laughs> <laughs>